also uh, the honorable members in the house. Uh, indeed, the minister has uh, elaborately responded to the question. However, there is a, an aspect that I wanted to converse with the minister, uh, particularly around the, the uh, support and, 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 and protection that the department uh, could be providing to, to the local business, particularly with regard to the manufacturing, cent- manufacturing sector, uh, in order to, to sort of cushion uh, the, the impact that uh, big companies has on uh, small uh, business uh, whose products sometimes uh, uh, are contesting or competing with the relatively, relatively cheaper uh, and more uh, appealing to consumers. Uh, I think we have seen some of uh, the annihilation or depletion of, uh, of, of, of such uh, 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 small companies, but we are with our with the liberalization and opening of our of our, of, 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 of our uh, international trade. Uh, is there any uh, comment from the minister on that? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, let's revert back to the minister. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you to Honorable Mimang for that follow-up question. The, South Africa runs an open economy, which means that we compete internationally and products are allowed to participate to be in the country. However, the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition designates certain products for 100% local content, which means that the products that are produced in other countries in certain categories must be, uh, cannot be allowed in the country because the products that must be in the country are those products that are produced locally, which is 100% uh, content. For instance, in the clothing and textile, we are working with the DTIC to designate more products uh, for local content, for 100% or 80% local content to minimize the entrance of other products in the country. But in addition, we are working with SARS and Customs to urge them to make sure that those products that are designated for 100% local content are not allowed inside our shores to protect the local companies. But our primary responsibility as the department is to ensure that SMMEs in these countries who are participating in the manufacturing space can produce products which are good quality, which are also competitive in terms of pricing to ensure that products that are made outside of the country do not find traction with our consumers. But we are also engaging in a program, bi-local program to engage, to to activate awareness or encourage awareness by consumers about the value of buying locally produced products because it creates jobs, it gives sustenance to the country, it grows the economy of the Republic. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. We'll now move over to uh, the DA supplementary question. Honorable Okam. Thank you, Mr. Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, the initial question in this regard asked by Honorable Moimang was whether the government has started to assist black persons in the manufacturing sector. That was the essence of that question. 
Now, the mere fact that that question had to be asked is an indication that government's triple B, double E policy is failing South Africans. If 27 years after a new South Africa was started, we still have to ask questions like, like where the government started to assist black people, it is an absolute shame. In light of the ANC's latest smoke and mirrors anti-corruption exercise, Honorable Minister, will you please publish a list of beneficiaries over the last decades that includes ministers' wives, ministers' children, ANC staff members who already benefited at the expense of the intended beneficiaries, the normal people in South Africa, in the manufacturing sector. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. Thank you to Honorable Ockham for that question. We need to indicate to Honorable Ockham that the 300 years of apartheid rule and colonial rule which discriminated against black people will not be reversed by a mere 27 years. So our journey is still long to make sure that we address the, the, the economic imbalances that our people suffered under the ancestors of uh, Honorable Ockham. And therefore the BE policy is not failing, the BE policy is on track, and it is important that we, man we, we dedicate a focus to say, how are we supporting black people? Because ordinarily black people, when they participate in any economic activities, they start from a position of disadvantage, unlike uh, Honorable Ockham and others who were privileged because of their color of their skin, where a government was consistent in privileging those uh, of a, a different race because they thought they were superior to us in our own motherland. And therefore, we will continue to report and chase targets to support actively black entrepreneurs. And for Honorable Ockham's question around uh, uh, beneficiaries of ministers, I don't see the relation between the question, uh, the or original question and the follow-up question of Honorable Ockham. Just for that question, uh, for, to, for his own ease of mind. There have not been ministers and children of ministers who have benefited since the, the start of this uh, uh, SMME manufacturing scheme in the manufacturing program. And Honorable Ockham must not forget that the Department of Small Business Development only started in 2014. So it doesn't have 10 years in operation. So we cannot report for over 10 years in operation. The scheme on, of SMME manufacturing was just launched last year. It doesn't have 10 years. So we cannot report on things that were not there before. Thank you for that, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. We'll move on to the next supplementary question uh, from the EFF. Uh, Honorable Arnold. Uh, thank you, uh, House Chairperson. And uh, Minister, for the past 10 years, government has made commitment to spend 35% of the procurement budget on small businesses, including businesses owned by black women and youth. Majority of black women and youth who have managed to enter into the manufacturing sector do not have market to sell their products. There are a lot of women and youth manufacturing businesses that produce goods, but do not have markets. Have you engaged the treasury and the minister of finance to get a detailed assessment on how much government has spent on black women and youth businesses? If not, why not? 
Thank you. Honorable Minister. Thank you to Honorable Arnold for uh, that question. Indeed, uh, we need to make a correction. It's not a commitment on 35%, it's a, com a commitment on 30% procurement on SMEs. And tre National Treasury reports on that. And also it's 40% uh, on, uh, on, on women and young people. What we need to clarify, and I've been open as a minister responsible for small business development, that the 30% procurement from SMMEs is not only for government, it's for all company, all, all everybody in business in this country. That big corporates go have find ways to undermine that 30%. As a result, majority of procurement that is done, that 30% is relegated to security, catering, and cleaning services, and not the core of uh, what is a business in, in that, in that mean sense. As a government department, when we started, we have engaged with National Treasury and we are supporting the revision or uh, the development of the procurement uh, bill, which must be tabled to parliament soon to make sure that we don't, we move from a 30% requirement to concretely reserve certain jobs for SMMEs and also certain jobs for women. If you go to countries uh, within the continent, our sister countries, you'll know that your Motor mechanics are from Mozambique. Your plumbers are from Mo Mozambique. Your electricians are from Zimbabwe. And our proposal to move from a 30% requirement to reserving certain sectors to S for SMMEs solely is based on our commitment that South Africans must specialize in particular skills and specialize in particular businesses, most especially the emerging one. It is for this reason, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson, that we, the president announced and on our part and cabinet has approved the 1,000 products and services that are, are must be designated by DTIC for sole procurement from SMMEs in this country. And that's the move to add, make sure that that 30%, nobody can do a work around about it, but th those products must be solely procured from SMMEs, both by government and private sector. And in terms of government, we are working with National Treasury and DTIC to make sure that the 250 products at least are procured from SMMEs from that list of 1,000 products. We are busy consulting with provinces so that we aggregate those products based on what provinces think they procure from uh, at, at a government level from SMMEs or what they can procure from SMMEs. And this commitment is not only for SMMEs, it's also for women and youth uh, manufactured uh, products and youth rendered and women rendered services. And correctly, the access to markets has been a major challenge, but as a department, we have been working both with government, with large corporates to make sure that we open markets and also create separate markets for SMMEs to trade their goods. We will report and give you a list of number of products that we have uh, listed in both large retailers, such as Clicks, uh, Pick and Pay, Spa. We are also working with Aspen, the, the Massmart Group, Unilever, just for examples. But we have also listed same uh, more products in wholesalers across the various uh, provinces and regions of our country. And we have started to create open markets for SMMEs to, to trade their products, similar to what other countries like in Ethiopia, in Mikato, in Addis Ababa, they have where SMMEs can trade their goods and waste without problems. And even in this country, places like 27 Boxes are there and other several places that are there. We're already working with the government of the Eastern Cape to support a market in King Dalin Zebo. 
to, to, to reopen that and revitalize that market for SMMEs to be able to trade their products and ways. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll now move on to the last uh, supplementary question. Um, uh, and that is from uh, uh, the IFP, Honorable uh, X Ngwezi. Honorable Ngwezi. You have tried, I mean, you have partially covered the question I was going to ask you. But now I would like to further uh, find out whether the government has a clear strategy to mitigate competition faced by the young people in the manufacturing sector in this country. And if so, what are the specifics that you can provide? And if there is none, why not uh, after these uh, 27 years? Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. Gabong, I'm Frenishang for the question. As I've indicated, we are already having special dedicated support for women and youth-owned enterprises, not only in the manufacturing space, but in all areas where those businesses operate. Our focus on supporting youth businesses is to make sure that they are not only protected, but they are competitive, because the best protection we can offer is the ability to compete effectively and efficiently with others. And that is the best market because our focus on products that are done that are manufactured or produced by SMMEs is based on the need that those products must not end up in only local shores for local consumption. They must also be sold in the regional markets and also in the international markets. And if women or produce and women-owned produce and youth-owned produce or SMME produce are not competitive, it will mean we'll be failing them because they will not reach a higher market. The opportunity for the African continental free trade area gives a larger market within the, the continent of Africa for these products to have access. And they can only have that access and be competitive if they are of the right quality and they are competitive, they are efficient, and they are priced right. And that's our the focus of the support. And that's the best protection any government could offer the, the, their SMMEs whether women-owned or youth-owned. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll then move on to the next question. The question is question 7070. The question is on comprehensive study, re street vendors. Uh, it's from uh, CB, CFB Smith and is to the Minister of Small Business uh, Development. Um, Honorable uh, Minister. Question seven zero. Yeah. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. In terms of the, our response to question seven zero, the National Planning Commission conducted research in 2017 and produced a report titled Research on Limited Success of entrepreneurial activity by locals in townships and rural areas. In addition, in 2016 through CEDA, the department undertook a study titled Analysis of the State Performance, Opportunities and Challenges of SMMEs in the Township Economy Needs. Amongst other things, the findings pointed out that 
lack of accessible, suitable, and convenient business infrastructure has an adverse impact on SMMEs. The study by the NPC pointed out that government imposes regulations to address market failures, but it is also necessary to maintain some standards and even protect consumers. The department through the Businesses Act of 1991, which was transferred from the DTIC in October, is reviewing, and we are currently reviewing it, and will undertake consultations with various stakeholders, including provinces, municipalities, who play a critical role in its implementation. In the interventions that have been introduced by the department, formalization is one of the requirements as government cannot support businesses even within the informal ones, uh, formal sector, if they are not willing to be registered or formalized because we cannot then account for the work that we are doing or the money that we are spending on them. The location of informal businesses within towns and cities is strictly a mandate of local municipalities. The department only provides support through business development support, access to markets, as well as infrastructure. The, the department has a business infrastructure program that it is implementing in partnership with municipalities so that they can plan for and provide basic and necessary infrastructure to enable SMMEs, including informal businesses, to operate in facilities that have refused removal, sanitation facilities, water, and electricity. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Smith, uh, your follow-up question? Thank you, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson and uh, Honorable Minister. Um, Minister, uh, you partly did answer the question, although I would like to know, um, will you commit to do a comprehensive study to develop a street vendor framework for local municipalities to ensure a win-win relationship uh, is established between form the formal and the informal sector, as we have uh, uh, in the Western Cape. Honourable Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Smith, for that question. Spatial planning is the responsibility of the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation. The Department of Small Business Development will make an input on the spatial planning framework that is being revised by the Department of uh, Planning, uh, Monitoring and Evaluation in the presidency to make sure that there is a framework that guides uh, the, the, the location of street vendors in, uh, in, in our municipalities. But that must be done in consultation uh, with the municipalities and SALGA as the representative organization. The department can mainly can merely put uh, include its own inputs, and therefore that question must be raised with the Department of Planning, Monitoring, and Evaluation. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, the next follow-up question will come from Honorable Dango. Um, thank you. Please proceed. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Minister, for a comprehensive answer. However, there is an infrastructure project in Botsabelo in the Free State, but has yet to be completed. Does the Department have a program to ensure that other spheres of government complete such projects intended for vendors in townships? Thank you very much, Minister. And let me also thank you for a very good job in your other job. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Dango, and also thank you for the compliment. We have noted the, the matter that has been raised by Honorable Dango around the incomplete projects in Mutsabelo. 
through our colleague in uh, Cocta will work to make sure that that project is completed and find out from the local municipality or the metro that what are the challenges and help them unlock challenges. Just to report to Honorable Dango, the department in partnership with the DTIC who are busy revamping the industrial park in Butsabelo has already, as the department, completed the digital hub in Butsabelo, which, with, which is being uh, operated by our agency, CEDA, because we are committed to make sure that business infrastructures in townships become available. And our cooperation with Salga will make sure that where issues are raised or where we pick up incomplete infrastructure that affects small businesses in the municipalities, will follow up with the municipalities to help them unlock those and proceed and help them with the necessary support that they require as best as we can within the mandate of the department. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. The next supplementary question come from the Freedom Front Plus. Um, Honorable Detroit. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Minister, um, what percentage of street vendors are South African citizens? And are there any legislation in place that regulates the quality and safety of food products that are sold by these vendors? If yes, um, and if these vendors might be found guilty of selling substandard products, how is this monitored? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Minister. Yes, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Detroit, for that uh, question. Just to indicate that the licensing of street vendors, which is a responsibility of the municipalities. We have already started to work with municipalities so that we can then consolidate a database of the number of vendors in place. In terms of the immigration laws of the Republic, uh, the Department of Home Affairs is the one that grants permission to do a business in the country. So the, the Minister of Small Business Development will not have a view of how many are in, in, in operating in South Africa with those business permits. However, we need to indicate that in terms of the immigration laws, only immigrants that are given business permits in the country must be those investing in business upwards of 5 million rents as set by the minister responsible for trade, uh, industry, and competition. Therefore, in terms of the department, we do not expect that they are street vendors that are not South African unless they are refugees and asylum seekers. And again, the status of refugee and asylum seeker is granted by the Department of Home Affairs. So that data will have to come from both Home Affairs and local government municipalities. But when we have consolidated the database, which is not necessarily our mandate, but we are doing it to make sure that we've got sight of the business activities of small businesses in the country, we, we will be able to know how many have been granted in a particular municipality and how many of those are refugees and asylum seekers. We don't want to talk about South Africans only. We want to also say what is the view around refugees and asylum seekers. But to caution that asylum seekers, their permits to vendor can only be limited to the period of their status as asylum uh, 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 certificate holders. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. The last supplementary question come from uh, uh, the EFF, Honorable Matebula. Uh, Honorable Matebula. Uh, Minister, 
if we are serious about integrating street vendors into the economic value chain in township and cities, we must begin by thinking long-term about the necessary infrastructure in a comprehensive manner and not in a piecemeal approach. Is your department exploring an uh, option to, to build the government-owned small to medium-sized shopping complex link with manufacturing hubs in townships and cities to increase the participation of street vendors in economic value chain by giving them access to shelf space? If yes, when can we expect to see the first government-owned shopping complex and where? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Minister. Now, Kenza, Honorable Matebula from Ishibuti Soshawe, except that I need to clarify that uh, gov- the question that you are raising does not only relate to street vendors, it also relates to uh, product manufacturers of, uh, in terms of in the SME sector. However, Chairperson, as a department, we are in the business of supporting entrepreneurs to participate in business. If Honorable Matebula would understand, there are small emerging entrepreneurs who are building, who want to build malls and in the townships and rural areas, but also to own malls in, the, in, 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 in major cities. And therefore, it will be unfair for government to go and become competition to the very small businesses we want to support by building its own malls. Our responsibility is to make sure that we support those entrepreneurs who are building, who want to build malls in townships and rural areas to have access to finances to build those malls in townships and rural areas, but also to build malls in major cities. And make sure that in that support, we give condition that they, their shops must include those shops that are owned by small businesses. Because as you correctly say, we need to create enough shelf space. However, in the portfolio of properties that are owned by CIFA, and some of them include shopping centers, or retail centers. We are looking to revamp, to revamp those centers and give them out on leases to small emerging uh, pro- uh, property managers in the, in the sectors so that they can then run those malls on a lease from CIFA. Our responsibility is to make sure that the property market, which is very restricted to date, can be opened up for participation of black and emerging entrepreneurs in that sector and will enable those conditions. So we won't build our malls, we'll support SMMEs to either build and own malls or to operate malls that are owned by, that were previously built by government and the properties remain in the ownership of government and government agencies. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister. We'll move on to the next question, which is question 75. And this question is on on encourage and or support small business in the in ICT. This question is from uh, uh, Honorable Kai and is addressed to the Minister of Small Business uh, Development. Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Emerging technologies and te- tech businesses are advancing at an unprecedented speed changing the work and industry sectors as we see it. Emerging technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, autonomous mobility, virtual reality has disrupted the global economies. 
my department in partnership with the Department of Communications and Digital Technologies is positioning the South African entrepreneurship ecosystem for the digital change and transformation. For the period under review, the department through CEDA has supported 13 tech-based incubators and accelerators to drive that transformation and support to tech startups to build local technology solutions to solve both social and industry challenges. These incubators have recorded the following performance results in the period under review. 303 tech startups and SMEs were supported. 49,284,220 rands in revenue was generated by the startups and SME in the portfolio, the tech startups in that, in that space. 441 of the total ICT-related jobs were created in the year 2019-2020 financial year, and we sustained 676 uh, new jobs in, in, in the period. As part of our vision for township and rural economies in the digital sector, the department through CEDA started a program for digital hubs positioned to lead South Africa's charge in the fourth industrial revolution space. The department established four township-based hubs in Mabopani, in Gauteng, Rifontein in the Western Cape, Mohwase in Northwest, and Tembale too in George in the Western Cape. These hubs focus on building startups in the gaming, animation, esports, coding, and data science, 3D printing, hardware and software development, robotics, and electronics. These hubs have taken, have started to take in their first startup cohorts uh, in the fourth quarter of the 2020-2021 financial year. An additional six new digital hubs are planned in the current year. The new hubs will endeavor to create startups and digital businesses that can compete in local, regional, and international markets while remaining locally relevant. The hubs will render support to young grassroots innovators and startups providing needed shared infrastructure, industry collaborations, supplier linkages, access to funding at pre-seed and service A and B, private sector investment linkages. Furthermore, we are also increasing our focus on institutions of higher learning, and the department has approved four new university-based centers for entrepreneurship and rapid incubation, in addition to the centers for entrepreneurship and rapid incubation that were already implemented in Tibet colleges. The four new CEFRIs will be at the University of Johannesburg, Soweto campus, that will focus on artificial intelligence, Nelson Mandela Bay University, that will focus on new technology in water, oceans economy, and electronic vehicles, and battery technology. At UNIVEN, that is University of Venda, which will focus on hardware, software, and internet of things, which is commonly known as IoT and Agritech, and at Rose University, that will focus on creative industries. The new surface will be fully established in quarter three of the 2021-2022 financial year. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Follow-up question, Honorable Chai from the ANC. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, and uh, thank you very much, Honorable Minister, for the response uh, to the question. My follow-up question is whether the department has considered engaging in a process through which to recruit young university graduates were trained in ICT for the purposes of establishing startup businesses. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, the reason we are putting the Centers for Entrepreneurship 
and rapid in, uh, innovation at universities is to make sure that we recruit or we catch the students when they're still learning because that's where entrepreneurship is harnessed and it shows itself and we want to nurture them when they are at those universities. In addition to the work that we have been doing with the centers of entrepreneurship and rapid incubation in the TVET colleges to catch these in, uh, innovators before they exit the system. And what is interesting is not only students in ICT, but also students who are doing BCom and other related areas that are benefiting for the services that are in place. We work collectively with the Department of Employment and Labor and Department of Communications and Digital Technologies to support the unemployed graduates to make sure they're not only placed in ICT, but they're also placed to support other businesses. We're supporting them through the work that the Department of Communications and Digital Technologies is doing around, around payment systems, around blockchains as indicated, but they use the digital hubs that are already in place in the various townships and, uh, and rural areas, but also those that are already in the Tibet, in the Tibet colleges and the universities. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next supplementary questions comes from the EFF. Honorable uh, Tia Pleni. Honorable Pleni. There seems to be a problem Chair, there. Chairperson, we have communi communicated with the office that honorable the question for honorable Aplen must be withdrawn. The follow-up question. Okay. Thank you, no, Chair. Thank you very much. Question is withdrawn. We'll move on to Honorable Ngwezi uh, from the IFP. Honorable Ngwezi. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Minister and all the Honorable Ministers, one of the problems that is facing the small businesses are the costs. Honorable Chairperson, I cannot hear Honorable Ngwezi because the translation has, is coming through So I'm, okay. and the translation is disrupting my ability to hear. No, I'll ask him to start from the beginning. Thank you. Honorable Ngwezi. Yambose. Enkolesekungonqosha <laughs> Yeah, the, the question there is Ukumangayindlego, is, is, which means the cost. Um, and and, and, and the, the question is, uh, has the minister uh, 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 any plans to reduce the cost and, and, and ensure that this, the work is done in a way that is uh, 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 sustainable? Minister? Chair, on a point of order, Chair. Yes, Matibula. Chairperson? Yes. Chair. Yes, Matibula, on what point are you rising? Chairperson, I'm not at Gutti Saku, 
ngwena ngwena translator na or kuna ti translator leti tinga kota koko translate la minister na aken saiche yes no that's that's not noted and it's a problem that has been raised uh, over and over again I'll ask the table really to look at it uh, but in the meantime let's proceed honorable minister ngiyabonga honorable ngwezi for uh, the question that you've asked indeed the, the government has for the question that you've asked and who's speaking now is the translator and they're coming through uh, maybe chairperson just to clarify if they speak in zulu slowly i am able to follow the language so uh, the the so the translation can stop a bit and i'll indicate if i've not gotten the question clearly and because i can respond honorable matebula was just uh, trying to pull a fast one on me thinking that i would not have followed the question that's why she was then trying to call for odd <laughs> but i appreciate the intervention of the chairperson in 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 clarifying the the deep words on isizulu which on the question because the translation services when you are on hybrid is a bit disruptive thank you uh, honorable ngwezi for that question indeed government has a plan to reduce the cost of data not only for the small businesses but the cost of data in the country the minister of digital uh, of communications and digital technology uh, technologies is driving that campaign in the meantime what we, what we have done through the support of the minister of uh, communications and digital technology honorable stelanda beni abrams was to negotiate with uh, she has in, was able to negotiate that those government services that needs to be accessed by small businesses wherever they are must be zero rated and she there are particular websites of government and particular platforms of government that are offered on a zero rated basis on the basis of the work that is done by minister ndabeni ibrahim and she is fully working with the with the with the telcos or the telecommunications operators to make sure that the cost of data is reduced you will have recently noticed that both mtn i think and vodacom have now started to slash their prices of data and also the rain that is backed up on vodacom have also started to to slash their prices on data to make data available our argument is that the cost of data is not cheap enough for small businesses we must continue as government to push the policy that reduces data for all thank you thank you very much honorable labuskagne from the da thank you chairperson minister have you had any consultations with the department of communications and digital technology to implement similar programs given the fact uh that they uh, could not roll out broadband to schools and hospitals yet isn't it time for us to look at implementing what the western cape department of economic development and tourism we have gathered information on the township tech project which they run in conjunction with the city of the cape innovation and technology initiative to maybe identify innovative innovation and and technology companies Thank you. Honorable Minister. Thank you, Mithro Labaskatni, for, for the question that you have asked. Let, let me indicate that the work of, we don't have to gather information around tech companies. Our responsibility is to support 
tech companies to make sure that they have environmental trade. And as we do that, we are collating information around all SMMEs across the country, on all subsectors of the country. And in that work, the Western Cape Department of Economic Development is benefiting from the work that the department has done. That's why when I was talking about digital hubs, I indicated one in Tembaletu and the other one in George, because that is the work that we are enabling this government in its totality, because we don't run a federal government, we run a single government. Where the tech startups are operating, we, are make, sure, we make sure that we support them. We have partnered also with Vodacom in the work that they are doing in uh, Stellenbosch on the space maker that they are supporting there in with the, within that Western Cape. So what you claim is the work of the Department of Economic Development in the Western Cape is because they are they are benefiting from the work that we have done as government, as the national government and the Department of Small Business Development, plus the Department of Communications and, Dig and Digital Technologies. So that is the efforts of our work because we don't believe in federal arrangement. We believe in a single uh, government, a unitary government that this republic is about. And we work for all South Africans and not work for a few. So whether you are in the Western Cape or whether you are in Limpopo, or whether you are in KZN, we will support you equally and will put what is necessary to support small businesses in that area. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. The next question is question 84, H4. And the question is on assistance with marketing resources. Kevin, uh, the question is uh, uh, BT Matebula. Uh, and, 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 and this question is directed to the Minister of Small Develop, Business Development. Um, Minister? Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Through the department's agency, CEDA, Small Enterprise Development Agency, the department provides business development support to SMMEs and cooperatives. And business development support includes access to market and also uh, uh, access to marketing of products. In Limpopo, CEDA has branches in all five districts of the province, and CEDA plays a pivotal role in assisting business owners with marketing resources that include marketing plans, promotional material, website development, development of business plans, and others. Furthermore, CEDA assists small business owners to comply with marketing requirements such as branding, packaging, barcoding, product testing, and, and certification. Further to this, in October 2020, Cabinet approved the SMME Focused Localization Policy Framework and its implementation program, which supports SMMEs to produce products locally and get these pro products procured by the public and private sectors. Through the implementation of the Localization Policy Framework, the department has a program of listing products manufactured by SMMEs and cooperatives with major retailers and wholesalers. As part of this listing pro, uh, program, the department has successfully listed products manufactured by Limpopo SMMEs and cooperatives with Prem G and Sons, Macro, Jumbo Cash and Carry, Pick and Pay, Spa, Discam, and Clicks. Also in Limpopo, the department has a successful story of TM Foods that produce canned beetroot, which has been listed by several spas and Prem G and Sons. All these are efforts to put SMMEs and cooperatives in the map by vigor vigorously marketing their products. The department also runs, together with Proudly South Africa, the buy local campaigns in various platforms to encourage South Africans to buy local products. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. The first supplementary question is from uh, Honorable Matebula. 
Oh, I must speak slowly. Okay, I'll try to speak slowly. Eh, Minister, eka shifunza shai na shali pompo. Ibona timolo tinta letinga eku akwen. Mare aiboni the new agro processing and manufacturing plants in numbers that will create jobs for the small businesses that are processing achas milk, shoes, bags, and other products. They need their product in this mall. As your department engage uh, in pro in with property owners who are building malls to demand the local product to be prioritized. Thank you, Chair. Hello, Minister. If you can just get the Honorable Minister to respond to the question by Honorable Matebula. Honorable Chairperson, you'll have to pardon me. There was a break in transmission from your side. I could not hear the question. Is it possible to have either Honorable Matebula repeating the follow-up question or to get the question summarized for me? Minister, eka shifunza shai na shali pompo. Ibona ati moliti nchua letinga ku eku akuen. Mara aiboni ti new agro processing and manufacturing plants in numbers that will create job for small businesses. And then that are processing, small businesses that are processing archers, milk, shoes, bags, and other products need their product in these malls. As your department engage with property owners who are building malls to demand that local pro product must be prioritized. Thank you. Minister. Nakensa, Honorable Matebula for issue. I think what we need to indicate is that the construction of mall or approval to build malls is done by local municipalities. We have started to engage with the departments of uh, planning and economic development in municipalities to make sure that when they put when they grant approvals for new mall developments, there is a condition around uh, allocation of uh, products uh, or space for SMEs. If you go to other bigger malls, you'll in, you'll realize that there's now already a shift towards accommodating smaller uh, uh, businesses or SMEs and their products in the malls and negotiate a competitive pricing for rental of malls. And we are supported by this, by the retail study that was done by the department of, uh, under the Department of Trade, Industry and, uh, and Competition through the Competition Commission. That has tabled that the pricing in malls make it difficult for SMMEs to participate and to have their products sold in most. So we are engaging with local municipalities and SALGA to make, and uh, through the support of the Department of Cocta to make sure that municipalities place uh, a requirement 
for malls to have an allocation for SMME produced products. In terms of the production uh, uh, spaces or agro-processing plants, we are already working again with the Department of Economic Development in, and Planning in municipalities who are responsible for local economic development to make sure that we support cooperatives even at a tertiary level that will then make sure this uh, production capacity for SMMEs to place their products in malls and also just to have their products traded. I've all earlier reported on the support we provide to make sure that products are certified for quality, products are certified for, 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 for have their barcodes and products meet all the compliance standards that are required through the SABS, SAPRA and other standard bodies. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. We'll move on to a supplementary question from Honorable Christian from the DA. Honorable Christian. Uh, Dennis Ryder will take that question. Honorable Christians, unfortunately, fall Ill, fell ill this morning. Okay. Let's then uh, move on to Honorable Ryder. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, thank you, Minister. <clears throat> um, Minister, local government and service delivery in eight out of nine provinces in South Africa is on its knees. Now, Minister, do you agree that we can advertise and promote small businesses as much as we like, but if your government fails them by not providing basic infrastructure like proper road, rail, electricity, and communication networks, that actually all of this is in vain? If you do agree with that statement, Minister, what are you doing about it? Thank you. Honourable Minister. Thank you, Chairperson. I think it's very obvious that Honorable Ryder was not ready for that question because that question has nothing to do with the initial question about making sure that products that are done by SMMEs have space in the local malls. Thank you. I guess we'll move on to Honorable, uh, uh, Honorable Detroit from the FF Plus. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, Honorable Chair, the gist of the question refers to the assistance with marketing resources. Uh, Minister, I want to know, um, we all know, the tax base needs to be widened and the dependence on state funding and financial assistance is ever increasing in South Africa. And this is in spite of the fact that the South African economy can't afford the financial strain. Minister, at what stage are these small business owners required to register for tax to contribute to the fiscus and contribute to the state purse after being assisted financially by government? Uh, this is not necessarily a financial question because I'm linking it to the fact that assistance is given uh, with marketing resources by your department to these small business owners. And uh, there must be a balance between the amount of money that is spent on the small business owners and the uh, actual turning of the pendulum when they start to contribute to the state purse. That balance must be there. So in short, Minister, if you can indicate uh, if there is such a balance and if there is a cutoff limit with regards to assistance being given um, before those small businesses start to contribute back into the economy from their side. Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. 
Thank you, Honorable Detroit, for that question. Indeed, the support that we offer uh, to small businesses must contribute to the growing of the economy and thus growing of the test base. We have already indicated as a department previously that our focus on growing small businesses is to make sure that they become part of the major contributors in the economy. If you check the vision of government as uh, espoused in Vision 2030 of the NDP. It talks about the contribution of small businesses, not only on jobs, but on a GDP growth. And we cannot have that contribution on GDP growth if there's no contribution on tax. So the first thing that I need to indicate is that the support that we give to small businesses, either informal, formal business, and formal businesses, we require them, one, to, be, to have business permits, two, to register for SARS, three, to register for URF, and also to register for CIPC because it's part of the formalization process that will get us there for two reasons, because also we believe that the continued for informalization of businesses, in particular Black-owned businesses, has negated the contribution of Black businesses and women-owned businesses in the economy. I'll give you an example of the taxi industry and the spa shop industry. The taxi industry generates a revenue of more than 40 billion rands per annum, but yet individuals are taxed at an individual basis and not at a, at a business basis, and thus diminishing their contribution. So our view is that all small businesses must be registered for tax, even enjoy the tax breaks that are applicable. And we need to clarify that registration for tax does not mean you're going to pay tax because in this government, we understand that it's not everybody who will afford tax despite the fact that they're in business or they're earning an income. So the tax regime of the country gives the necessary tax breaks and necessary tax threshold. For instance, the registration helps us to account for the revenue that a business makes and will be able to account, which I've said, that's what you need to measure us, about our ability to grow a business from being informal to macro or from being informal to small, of being micro to small, of small to medium, from medium to large, because there must be a graduation. They cannot, small business on our part is not a state of permanence. It's a transition on any other business and we must be recorded on how many of those businesses we have supported to graduate beyond that and therefore how many have we supported to become meaningful contributors to the GDP of this economy by contributing through jobs and also contribution in the tax revenue of the country. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. The last uh, supplementary question comes from Honorable Mushodi from the ANC. Honorable Mushodi. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. My follow-up question is whether the department has established a partnership with the Brand South Africa and various other entities in promoting local business beyond South African borders. If not, will the department be open to consider this exercise? Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Mishodi, for the question. We indeed, as government, I'm requesting to switch off it's saying the video because it says the, the connection is unstable. Honorable Chairperson? Yes, uh, Minister. I, I'm requesting to switch off the video because it says the connection is unstable. I'm requesting to switch off the video because the connection is unstable. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, okay. 
Honorable. Yes. Honorable Chairperson. Please with your permission. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Honorable Misoji. We are we are collaborating with Proudly South Africa and Trade and Investment South Africa, which are responsible for marketing products outside of the country. Brand SA is is responsible for marketing the the nation brand South Africa, but not necessarily responsible for trade marketing. We collaborate with the Department of DTIC and Trade and Investment South Africa and Proudly South Africa to market the products of South Africa outside the country. We're also collaborating with the International Trade Center to make sure that the products that are produced by women in South Africa are marketed and have markets in the outside the country. We are also working with the large corporates to make sure, and in particular large retailers, to make sure that when they take products out of the country, they include in their whole age products that are produced by SMMEs. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. We'll move on to question 87. 87. This question is on establishment of SMME. SMME hubs uh, is from uh, uh, yeah, Honorable Nita originally, uh, but yeah, uh, Honorable Nita is not here. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out who's, who's responding to, to this question, but it's directed to the Minister of Small Business uh, uh, Development. Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. We've got six digital hubs that were approved for establishment. Sorry, maybe I should just indicate up front. This question is uh, uh, now uh, being raised by Honorable Mukiva. So Mukiva will, will give us a, 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 the first uh, supplementary question. Uh, Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I'll start from, uh, from afresh. Six digital hubs were approved for establishment during 2019-2020 financial year, and they are, allocate, they are located in the following areas, Wotapelo in the Free State, and I'm aware that members of the NCOP visited the, this digital hub, though you, uh, you, the NCOP has uh, subscribed it to DTIC, is the digital hub of the Department of Small Business Development run by our agency, CEDA, Kwamashu in KZN. In Pumalanga, we've got two sites, one in Nelspreit and uh, another one in Sekunda. There's one in, in Mafikeng, located within the Mafikeng Industrial Park in the northwest, and one in Alexander in Johannesburg, and the one in Limpopo, the University of Limpopo, where construction was delayed due to the challenges at the university. The Small Enterprise Development Agency implemented interventions on 627 adopted cooperatives and further assessed and adopted a total of 1,082 cooperatives nationally. And these are broken down as follows, 148 in the Eastern Cape, 94 Free State, 60 Gauteng, 304 uh, KZN, 88 Limpopo, 162 Mpumalanga, 49 Northern Cape, 65 West Northwest, and 112 in the Western Cape. The department has an MOU with Proudly South Africa, which is aimed at exposing products that are locally produced to the South African market as part of improving access to market for SMMEs and cooperatives. To date, 35 SMMEs are loaded onto the Proudly SA, SA retail platform, RSA Made. The SMMEs 
will also be able to participate in coaching workshops, events, webinars, and partnerships in marketing uh, activities of Proudly SA. Proudly SA will also do product and company assessments to ensure quality products. The department also has an MOU with the South African Electrotechnical Export Council, which focuses on supporting SMMEs to take advantage of export opportunities in the electronic sector. The department also has an MOU with the SA German Chamber of Commerce and Industry. The partnership is expected to assist in linking up SMMEs from both countries and exploring market opportunities for SMMEs and cooperatives within the South African German Chem uh, Council Chamber, member companies and industry trading, uh, specific trading partners. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Um, Kiva, first supplementary question. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, and um, greetings to you as well as the members. Greetings to the minister. Minister, thank you so much for that elaborate and detailed answer, which really covers the ground and ensures that uh, your department is touching on all the provinces of the country. This is really appreciated. I just want to ask this further question, Honorable, honorable One. I would like to know whether the department would be establishing more SMMME hubs of a similar kind across all the corners of South Africa so that many people can benefit, especially rural communities. And it would be great if some of those hubs could actually be um, installed in the heartland of uh, rural communities. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Mkiva, for that uh, follow-up question. And indeed, we are going to establish more hubs. Our target is to create a total of 250 hubs across the country in rural areas to make sure, and townships, to make sure that our people who were previously disadvantaged have access to those hubs. We are also establishing partnerships with the NESPAS groups, both for their foundry program and also the labs program, to make sure that there is no duplication between the work that we do and NESPAS and other partners who have already have hubs so that we can increase the number and the reach of, uh, of government in terms of the hubs. We understand the role of hubs in supporting and mentoring and creating opportunities for small businesses in townships and rural areas. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, thank, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Ngwezi of the AFP. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, How has the number of SMMEs in South Africa and their performance been affected by the pandemic? And how has the ministry dealt with these drawbacks? And whether there is a plan in place to boost SMMEs going forward? Thank you. Thank you very much, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Ngwezi, for that question. Indeed, SMMEs were severely affected. Or they were the worst hit by the pandemic in terms of the business sector. And we have reported to this house on the plans in place to support SMMEs to recover. Our intervention on township and rural economies and, and, and rural entrepreneurship is part of supporting SMMEs to recover in that. And our dedicated support to spaza shops, hair salons, motor mechanics and panel beaters, confectioneries and, business, and, and, and bakeries, Shisanyamas uh, is part of that effort to make sure that these uh, SMMEs, even at the most basic level, they recover. They work around uh, the panel beaters, plumbers, uh, uh, motor mechanics. It's also given impetus by our partnership with the insurance industry that will prioritize the use of local-owned 
small enterprises to service their clients where the, the, uh, the insurance companies have their needs. The Department of uh, Police, the South African Police Services, have already announced the partnership that they have with us in terms of getting their vehicles to be serviced by uh, small and emerging motor and youth motor mechanics and panel beaters, including their cars being washed at the car washes in the townships and rural areas, and also their tire repairs and also the glaciers or the glass fitment to be done by SMMEs in that sector. In addition, part of the work that we have been reporting on is since we started these uh, oral replies around supporting the manufacturing sector as part of the localization is the work to ensure that SMMEs come back better when they build and ensuring they have access to the markets that are necessary to propel their products to become bigger and better. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, next supplementary question is from Honorable Apleni of the EFF. Apleni. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like Honorable Apleni is, is, is on the platform. We'll proceed to Honorable S. Boshoff of the day. Thank you very much and good morning to you, Chair and Minister. Minister, it's great to hear of these hubs which assist the SMMEs in these provinces, but can you inform this House whether any discussions have taken place with the City of Cape Town to inquire as to how their mobile business hubs work. This is for sure an, a more inclusive way of ensuring that more small, medium and micro enterprises in need of support and guidance are reached, especially in light of their recovery after the blows of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mobile hubs will go a long way in other provinces to assist, complement and supplement all the services on offer to them. Thank you very much. Um, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Boshoff, for that question. Honorable Boshoff, maybe you must go to the city of Cape Town to explain to you that they copied the mobile hub model from CEDA, the state and the small enterprise development agency, which is the agency of this department. CEDA has been implementing the mobile hubs since 2015. And therefore, we don't need to have a, com a conversation with the city of Cape Town because the city of Cape Town has copied from us. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. The next question is question 68. And section, uh, question 68 is a question on, on aquaculture training for community of Harib uh, from uh, uh, Honorable Detroit to the Minister of Small Business Development. Honorable Minister. Question 68. Thank you, thank you, Honorable Chairperson. The department through the, uh, through the Small Enterprise Development Agency, CEDA branch in Harib is providing business development support to a primary cooperative in Bet Betule called Lipoi Primary Cooperative. It is funded by the Free State Department of Agriculture and purchases, and purchases fishlings from the aquaculture 
Technology Demonstration Center in Harib Dam. It then rests the fishlings until they are market ready at an individual weight of one kg. The center offers technical assistance to the cooperative and CEDA offers business related soft skills training to ensure that the cooperative becomes commercially viable. CEDA also provides other business development support to the community at large. This includes mentorship and coaching interventions to 14 livestock farming cooperatives within Mohokare local municipality, focusing on financial management training. Beneficiary also receive basic farm management training. The CEDA technology program has prioritized Harib as an underserviced area in line with the department's SMME support plan. During 2020, CEDA held a series of meetings with the Department of Forestry and Fisheries and Environment on aquaculture demonstration centers and incubation. And as an outcome of these meetings, the review and adjudication processes are being finalized on how the support will be offered through the CEDA technology program. Furthermore, CEDA also conducted seminars to enhance competitiveness and capabilities of SMMEs and ensure access to business support services. The CEDA Harib branch has embarked on an aquaculture agricultural event with stakeholders to share information and offer valuable advice to entrepreneurs in the agriculture sector. Thank you, Chairperson. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Detroit. Thank you. A supplementary question. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Minister, it's no secret that um, Mr. Ismach Ashule, the then Premier of the Free State, was present at the sod turning ceremony at Kharib Dam, where millions of rands were spent on the project by both the South African and the Chinese governments. Minister, in 2019, Dr. Benny Malakwane, the MEC of Agriculture in the Free State, stated that the main purpose of the project was not commercialization, but rather the demonstration and training. Minister, how many people have been successfully trained at this facility? And what is the collective cost of the project since its inception, both Chinese and South African funding? Because up to now, no one was um, able or willing to allude to that rand factor. Thank you, Minister. Thank you very much, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Detroit. You would have indicated, you would have had in my response that CEDA, which is the entity of the Department of Small Business Development, offers only business-related soft skills training, and not the the the, techn- the the financial part of what you are talking about. That question, you can we can assist you to send it to the Department of Agriculture in the Free State so that they can respond to it. I've really I've indicated that CEDA in Harib has trained and coached other uh, uh, cooperatives in the areas, and I've given you the numbers of 14 livestock uh, training, and also the, all the farm people uh, all in the aquaculture have been trained through the CEDA uh, soft, uh, soft train, uh, training skills. But the questions that you are asking, it relates to work that is done by the Department of Agriculture on, in the Free State. And not to defend the MEC, but that is why it was called a demonstration plant. When a demonstration plant starts, you want to do the demonstration, but at a particular point, you graduate it from demonstration plant to become an implementation plant. So, the, But the details of your question will be addressed by the Department of Agriculture in the Free State. Supplementary question, Honorable Ryder. Thank you very much, Minister. Minister, noting your responses, you've partly responded to what I wanted to ask, but is there some sort of a research document of 
what has happened at the facility. I mean, it was built 30 years ago, and I know it was it was refurbished and 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 developed a little bit further um, in 2013. Is there a document that has been that can demonstrate what's happened since then until now, specifically detailing the benefits that they've been to the community and the people that have been trained? Um, and can you make that document available to the portfolio committee, please, or the select committee? Thank you. Honourable Minister. Thank you, Honourable Chairperson, for that question from Honourable Ryder. Honourable Ryder, the Department of uh, Fisheries, Forestry and Environment is also running that project, assisting with the provincial government of the Free State. I'm sure if that question is forwarded to them, they can then provide the details of that uh, of, of, of the work that you are requiring in terms of the uh, not only the research work, the progress with the implementation and the benefits and the, the, the lessons learned and the corrections of the risks that have been in place if they were such. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, next supplemental question is from the EFF, Honorable Sandra Mela. Chairperson, we have requested. Chairperson? Yes. Chair, we have requested the table to withdraw the follow up question for Honorable Zandamena. Thank you. Withdrawn. Thank you very much. Uh, the next question, uh, supplementary question, will come from uh, the ANC. Honorable Muimang. Uh, let me. Uh, also express my appreciation to the comprehensive response given by the by the minister. The minister, given the lessons learned from this uh, current uh, uh, program of agriculture technology demonstration center, and given the fact that uh, there will be many areas uh, across the country with similar comparative and competitive advantage that uh, that uh, Harry has. Uh, can the department uh, uh, share with us uh, whether there is a possibility that majority uh, of, uh, of, 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 of our people could benefit from such a scheme? And if that is possible, what skill set will be drawn there from? Thank you, Honorable Minister. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Muimang, for that question. Indeed, in terms of the lessons learned, there is need to replicate the, 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 the demonstration plan for aquaculture. There are many communities uh, in the townships and rural areas that are residing closer to big dams that could then benefit from the aquaculture uh, technology program. We are working with the Department of uh, Forestry, Fisheries and Environment to make sure that we support the participation of black youth and women owned enterprises within the aquaculture business. And we are finalizing a rollout plan of that partnership and the support as the Department of uh, Fisheries and Environment rolls out the aquaculture plan, uh, uh, support plan for uh, townships and rural enterprises and those in coastal areas. Our work will be to support that in terms of business enterprises, product marketing, and access to, to skills for our skills development for those businesses. You will recall when I was providing a response around the centers for entrepreneurship or digital hubs, we indicated that the Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela Bay Universities 
part of its Center for Entrepreneurship and Rapid Incubation is going to focus on the ocean economy. And the ocean economy includes that aquaculture. And therefore, we are going to be also extending that to other areas. We have started with the support of the Department of Forestry, Fisheries, and Environment. Thank you for that question, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Uh, that, Honorable Members, uh, brings us to the end of, of supplementary questions to question 68 and, and the end of uh, questions to the Minister of Small Business uh, Development. I would therefore like to take this opportunity to thank the Honorable Minister for availing herself uh, to answer uh, these uh, uh, questions. So thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister. Thank you, uh, yes, now we'll proceed to uh, questions to the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition. Um, uh, the first question is question uh, 77. Um, and, and question 77 is a question on discussions to remove barriers. Uh, this question is being raised by uh, or tabled by uh, Honorable Tango from Gauteng uh, ANC and is directed to the Minister of Trade and, 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 and Industry and, and Competition. Uh, Honorable Minister. Well, uh, good morning, Honorable Chairperson and uh, Honorable Members, and thank you for the opportunity. I'd like to thank uh, Honorable Dango for the question. We need to expand economic opportunities in our townships and remove any barriers which prevent South African entrepreneurs in our townships from starting businesses and expanding businesses. Uh, honorable members, townships are the incubators for the growth of entrepreneurial skills. And if South Africans do not have access in our own country, then we will not be able to develop that talent pool that um, nurtures the skills that can then go into building medium-sized businesses and eventually larger businesses. So I want to focus on six areas uh, relevant to the question. The first is the work of the Competition Commission to open up space for township businesses in um, uh, the grocery retail area. Uh, two years ago, the Competition Commission published their findings into the inquiry into the grocery retail market, and it found that a number of practices by large retailers keep small retailers, such as spaza shops, out of shopping malls, uh, it's a practice known as exclusive leases. And in response to this, the Competition Commission met with their large retailers to change these practices. And last year, the Commission agreed with both ShopRite and Pick and Pay that they will uh, effectively end these exclusive lease agreements in malls across the country, which include malls in townships, which will open the way for small competitive retail, uh, retail stores to be opened in these malls. And the ShopRite agreement uh, affects at least 349 centers in what is called non-urban areas, which include townships and small 
rural towns. The second uh, intervention is the DTIC as what is called a critical infrastructure program that is uh, available for townships. And this uh, program uh, offers a grant uh, um, up to 10 to 30% of infrastructure costs in things like uh, sanitation, water, and other things that small businesses require in a township. If I take the Chuma Mall as an example, uh, it um, is located in Dipslut in Gauteng, and uh, the CIP assistance helped them uh, to construct roads, stormwater, uh, bulk sewer, electricity uh, infrastructure, a taxi rank, and other things. And this uh, enabled the mall to open in July last year. Now, more of this can be done across uh, different, um, uh, different uh, areas uh, in townships to build South African businesses in townships. The third is to, to address cost structures. Uh, and there's work that's been done there with industrial funding. I'm sure that um, uh, my colleague uh, who has just spoken has raised the CIFA and CEDA issue. There are also programs in the NEF and the IDC and some work on the master plans that we'll come back to in the other questions. The fourth area is we've made changes to the Competition Amendment Act, which also came through the NCOP in uh, 2019. And these allow the competition authorities to, uh, to act against any predatory behavior by dominant firms like uh, price discrimination uh, and so on. There are, there are fifth, some uh, industrial parks that we're now bringing closer to, uh, to townships. In many of these, the industrial parks have been run down and not been properly maintained. So we, we're busy with a, a program of rejuvenation. Now, finally, I want to come to the question of legislative interventions in uh, townships with licensing and those kind of things. In October last year, the Business Act of 1991 was transferred from the DTIC to the Department of Small Business Development uh, in a proclamation issued by the president. And all of those powers are now with the Minister of Small Business Development. Uh, the minister is looking at, um, at uh, a licensing of businesses bill uh, that um, will, uh, will be looking at what procedures should be put in place and um, how do we strengthen the opportunities for uh, uh, black South Africans, for uh, uh, small businesses, for young people to participate in our economy. So this brings uh, to bear a few interventions that go to the heart of the question. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, Minister. Uh, first supplementary question, Honorable Dango. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Minister, for a comprehensive response to the question. My supplementary question is the following. Whether the department will, will consider measures to promote the participation of South African citizens in jobs as well as businesses on a priority basis, and excuse my throat. <laughs> Thank you very much. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Honorable Dango. I, I, I understand the throat because you're not able to drink any water at the moment because you're fasting. Uh, but the answer, uh, Honorable Chair, is yes, 
we will do so. And we are now beginning to put targeted support for small businesses in place uh, to uh, enable more South Africans to participate in jobs and businesses. And let me give uh, one, one good example. Many of the um, panel shops and garages that fix uh, uh, cars, engine problem, uh, uh, exhaust problems, uh, challenges when, uh, when businesses uh, or when your car is um, involved in a car accident, uh, have had the, the problem that insurance companies and big automakers and so on have historically tended to put only a small number of panel shops on these uh, insurance panels and have not always authorized uh, the use of um, generic parts. Through the Competition Commission now, we've put in place a range of measures that large car makers must support the entry of new motor uh, body repairers with a preference for firms owned by black South Africans. And these measures uh, will um, uh, include expanding the number of uh, these, let's call them what they are, panel shops owned by black South Africans, garages owned by black South Africans uh, in different geographic areas. Uh, also, insurance companies are now um, being requested to open up their panels uh, to do it. Now, what that, as one illustration shows, is if you open up the market and agencies like CIFA and the uh, uh, NEF and the IDC come in with industrial funding, it does help. The third example of what we can do is with state procurement. Uh, some of my staff, for example, just to illustrate it, have begun to use uh, BNBs in townships when they travel to Cape Town uh, for uh, parliamentary business before the COVID restrictions. And we must see how all of these efforts can be coordinated more actively to build opportunities for jobs and for uh, economic um, empowerment uh, in, um, in townships. And that goes together with the expansion of our efforts uh, on competition and, uh, and support through the, the different um, arrangements that we are now building with municipalities uh, through the district development model. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Minister. Uh, Honorable Boshoff. Thank you very much, Chair, and good afternoon to the Minister. Minister, you have to agree that the vast majority of foreign-owned businesses in townships involve a mutually beneficial partnership between foreign nationals and South Africans, that of tenant and landlord. Minister, the original question from Honorable Dango, who is a Gauteng member, seems to seek to highlight the Gauteng Township Development Bill, which in my mind is controversial in that it possibly speaks to xenophobic or has possible xenophobic and racial implications. Minister, will your ministry therefore reject the xenophobic and racist Gauteng Township Bill for the unconstitutional disaster that it is by reserving certain business activities in designated townships exclusively and solely for South African citizens and permanent residents? Will such a policy, Minister, not be irrational 
especially in light of the Constitutional Court's ruling that foreign nationals are entitled to all the fundamental rights enshrined in the Bill of Rights, this bill will be an unjustifiable invasion of their rights. I thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you, Honorable uh, Boshoff. Um, let me start by saying that uh, the position of not only the South African government, but also the ruling party, the African National Congress, is very clear about not supporting xenophobia. At the same time, Honorable Boshoff, it is a reality, as I indicated in my reply, that we must provide conducive conditions for the nurturing of South African-owned businesses in townships so that young South Africans see opportunity and opportunity are not um, uh, excluded uh, and uh, the restrictions of getting into businesses are not too difficult. So let me give an example of the, the work that the competition uh, authorities have done. In that market inquiry, they look carefully at foreign-owned businesses in townships to say, what is the competitive advantage uh, of those businesses? And one of the things that they highlighted was um, in many cases, uh, those foreign-owned businesses appear to be able to access uh, goods, particularly um, uh, bulk goods, by coordinating uh, with, uh, with each other. And so they've proposed that um, government should consider ways of facilitating the establishment of distribution centers located in peri-urban and non-urban areas to service small and independent retailers and wholesalers. So I think, Honorable Boshoff, we mustn't close our eyes to the reality that there's enormous hunger for jobs and for economic opportunities by many Black South Africans, township dwellers. And government has an important contribution to make to find ways of addressing it. Of course, we will do it in a way that is consistent with um, uh, decisions by the, the apex court of the country. And at the same time, we can't fold our hands and say that we are going to turn South Africans only to a, um, to a nation of township landlords. We need entrepreneurs. We need South Africans to be owners of spaza shops, uh, to be uh, building those businesses into the future large retailers that South Africa needs. That is our, uh, our objective. And that is something that we all need to do. And, uh, and, uh, and government will be doing what it can do on this matter. In regard to uh, the bill of Gauteng province, I'm sure that Honorable Boshoff can put that question to Gauteng on the detail of it. But I have no doubt that the province is seeking to expand opportunity. And, um, and that expansion of opportunity for South Africans is an important part of what we need to do. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, th thank you very much. Uh, uh, Honorable Dwight. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Honorable Minister, I'm going to repeat uh, a part of the initial question that was posed by the Honorable Dangor um, for, for a specific reason. And I'm quoting whether government has started uh, any discussions to remove barriers to entry uh, across all townships in the country, which create tensions between South Africans and foreign nationals who run tuck shops and supermarkets. If not, um, why not? If so, what are the relevant details? 
Now, Minister, it's clear that the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement Initiative's prime objective is to promote free movement of goods, services, and people for African economic transformation. And also, complementary to the broader objective is the small and medium enterprise ministry that's aimed to improving local economy through informal traders. Minister, what's the question is, how can there be um, an uneasiness from South African people in rural areas towards the foreign nationals if the South African uh, uh, majority receives financial assistance from the ministry and from various departments to assist these small business owners to to firstly start off their businesses to maintain it. The previous minister referred to advertising and support that is given. How can this still be an issue? Um, and also the African freight trade agreement and the small and medium enterprise uh, um, assistance that is given is now contradictory towards what was stated by uh, both you and the Honorable um, Dangor with regards to giving um, an advantage to black South Africans. To uh, Honorable Doig, your time is running out. So I'm urging you to, to summarize uh, your question. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Minister, in short, with the assistance that's given to South Africans and um, the foreign nationals that definitely doesn't seem to be welcome as a result of the question being posed, what is your opinion on this matter? And uh, is the Continental Free Trade Agreement and the small medium business enterprise uh, uh, initiatives still in place? Or is this a contradictory uh, um, issue? Thank you, Chair. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And um, thank you, Honorable Dutoy. Let me perhaps just first start with a correction, uh, Honorable Dutoy. The African continental free trade area does facilitate the free movement of goods and of services. It says nothing about the free movement of people. There are other uh, parts of the African Union discussions that deal with the free movement of people, and that's not to do with the AFC, FTA, as we call the free trade uh, pact. I think let me reiterate the essential elements of what I have said. The first is, we must be resolute against xenophobia, and we need to ensure that uh, we don't um, uh, turn uh, the, the presence of, of people different to ourselves into the, the big challenge. At the same time, and it's a, a reply I gave to Honorable Bosov, and I'll give again to you, uh, Honorable Dutoy. Our responsibility is to ensure that there are real opportunities for more black South Africans in township enterprises, in spaza shops, because there is a pressing need for jobs, because this is the place where many young South Africans can learn those entrepreneurial skills, where they can uh, have the incubation experience that they develop the wider skills from. And government is seeking to respond to this by way of measures through the Competition Act and the actions that the competition authorities have done. Uh, we also seek to respond to it through the industrial funding arrangements that I spoke about. 
uh, and we seek to do this by the um, support for infrastructure in townships that are directed at businesses that are owned by uh, uh, South Africans and that would enable more South Africans to come into the economy. None of those things uh, are xenophobic. They are the kind of policies that are followed by many different countries across the African continent, recognizing that countries must provide a conducive environment uh, for uh, businesses uh, owned by uh, uh, citizens. And at the same time, we are not um, in the business of, of seeking to expel people or anything like that. As long as um, there's adherence to um, the, the, the rules and the, uh, and the rule of law in, in South Africa, we, we would be complying fully with our obligations. And I think um, uh, I would say to, to uh, Honorable Dutoy that I hope uh, you can support the approach that uh, I have outlined because it's an approach that speaks to the challenges that township residents have. And when one has a job, it's easy uh, to, uh, to be indifferent to the plight of young people in townships. Uh, but we as government must respond to that plight and have outlined the key pillars of our response. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Uh, I'm told that uh, Honorable Zander Mela has been struggling to get into the system, uh, but is now available. So we'll call on, on, on him to uh, table the or ask the, the last supplementary question. Honorable Zander Mela. Honorable Zander Mela of the EFF. Last time, Zandamela, since there's a problem, so we'll move on. Uh, the next question is question 7272. This question is on strategies to enhance local production of goods. Uh, the has been being asked by uh, Honorable Nguezi and is directed to the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, Honorable Nguezi for the question. Yes, we will consider and in fact, we are implementing strategies to enhance local production of goods to boost South Africa's economic recovery of, uh, after COVID-19. At the heart of our efforts uh, in this administration, honorable members, is the focus on what the president, President Ramaphosa, termed a reimagined industrial strategy with a strong focus on localization. By localization, we mean building local industrial capacity for the domestic market and for export markets. Uh, it's not a turn away from engaging in global markets, but it is about changing the terms of that engagement uh, to one where we are no, uh, not simply selling raw materials to the rest of the world and buying consumer goods, but one where we are making more and more of the consumer goods and capital goods here in South Africa. And the localization uh, campaign 
uh, rests on expanding demand in our own economy for these products and addressing the supply challenges, what it is that constrains us. And um, to be successful, uh, we recognize that we must address a number of challenges from competitiveness, pricing, speed of delivery, quality and product innovation. And we're doing some good things. I mean, let me take an example uh, of, uh, of this uh, Honorable Ngwezi, and that is the, the work that we're doing uh, to improve uh, the uh, edible oil uh, uh, industry. We largely import something of the order of about uh, eight uh, or more than eight billion rands worth of oils that are used to cook food with. And uh, one of the large uh, importers of this finished oil uh, sat down with government. They proposed building a plant in um, uh, KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, and uh, we, we entered into an um, agreement with them. We provided them with uh, some incentives. And they will now be um, working on um, uh, building a refinery for edible oil. That will contribute very significantly to uh, adding local value here in um, the uh, South African economy. And there are a range of those. I've just given that to illustrate it. Uh, we're working in different master plans to, uh, to uh, bring product back to South Africa. And uh, these master plans cover poultry. And President Ramaphosa had already indicated more than a million additional chickens are being produced here in South Africa every week as a result of our localization efforts. More sugar is being bought from South African sugar mills and South African sugar farmers. We're now working with the steel industry, with clothing and textiles, uh, and with the furniture sector to do similar things. And we have an agreement with the auto industry to move their local content of the vehicles very significantly. And I know Honorable Ngwezi would have seen the media reports of a visit that I undertook to Toyota in KwaZulu-Natal uh, some two, two and a half years ago, in which we opened up a major new localization uh, program of Toyota, where more of that which used to be imported are now made locally. So uh, these are some examples of what we do. And I want to conclude by saying we've uh, entered into discussions at uh, NEDLAC and have uh, reached an agreement on some 42 products uh, that will be uh, highlighted for localization in a partnership uh, that uh, we are all uh, actively involved in. Uh, and I hope that that shows not only are we committed to, to considering this, but more importantly, we're now beginning to get this right. We're getting active uh, localization happening in some parts of the economy, and we need to scale that up across the whole economy. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, first supplementary question, Honorable Nguizi. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. I would, I would, and thank you very much for the response from uh, Minister Patel. But Honorable, you have actually uh, covered most of the issues I was going to raise in my question. And uh, because it's dangerous for a politician to say I'm covered, I'd like to know whether there are specific sectors of local production that you are strategizing to boost post-COVID-19 recovery. And if so, 
uh, is it possible that you provide um, uh, specifics, you know, because I think that uh, it is strategic, it is of strategic importance to the economy and which criteria was actually used to select them. Thank you. Yes, um, Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you, Honorable Ngwezi. Um, and uh, I, take, uh, I take your point that it's not possible just to say that you're covered, but I'm glad that you are at least partly covered. Um, I think what we have done is we've looked at different parts of the economy. We've said, what can we do in agriculture to localize? So when, when I sat down with PepsiCo uh, about a year ago, they, uh, they bought the Pioneer Foods business as an example. And they owned Simba Chips here in South Africa. They're combining Simba Chips and Pioneer Food into a, a big new company. And we sat down and we said, what can we do on empowerment? What can we do on localization? And what can we do on investment? On localization, we looked at products uh, that they can localize. For example, uh, potatoes, raisins, um, uh, wheat, uh, edible oils, and so on. So in each of these, we take very, very concrete examples and we drill down to the product level and then we work with the company on that. Uh, with Coca-Cola, for example, we worked on what can be done to, to localize packaging of the Coca-Cola products. When we sat down with Walmart, uh, we, we identified products uh, uh, that are made by about 30 different companies across the country. These are small businesses, largely black-owned businesses that um, Walmart then began to, to support with um, finance to upgrade their manufacturing. And those products cover many, many different things. You can buy now a cooler box, uh, uh, Honorable Nguesi, when uh, you go to the, to the beach or somewhere, uh, maintaining social distance, of course, uh, you can now have a South African-made cooler box. And some of those products are now being exported across the world. But we're not confining it only to food. We're also dealing uh, in a number of other different sectors, other consumer goods. We're looking at capital goods, which are these big machines that are being manufactured that we don't only import machines, but we see how we can localize there. We've looked at car components as an example. So, so the products uh, stretch over many, many different areas. And of course, they include clothing. And so a campaign that the NCOP could run uh, for members to be wearing South African-made um, suits and, uh, and clothing would be most welcome, uh, Honorable Nguesi and Honorable Chairperson, because there are so many different areas of what we do that we can and we should be localizing. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Lutuli. Angibonge, Empatisomyango, Ubugega Sengati, a Lulupu Panilsa Zobanati is Kati Essi, Teguna Kal, Futisia Konda, Ugusachens is always a fonio, a masanitizer, and a vaccine, Usasotinga Kulukuna Kal. 
akumele ngabe lomnyango wakho kanye nalokhulumeni unezinhlelo zokwakha nezokuba nezindawo lapho sizokwakha sizozakhela thina alezi zifonyo amasanitizer kanye nevaccine ukuze sikwazi eh ukwakha amathuba emsebenzi nanokwazi ukufukula umnotho wethu obonakala sengathi uphantse kakhulu akumele ukuthi ngabe lokhulumeni wakho ene unezinhlelo zokusebenzisana nalaba asebe kuqalile vese ukukhiqiza lezizinto ikakhulukazi abebala elinsundu yabonga kakhulu so just the interpretation has been there if not uh, uh, phone your masks and, and then there's the question of vaccines and, and the question that's being raised is whether uh, we can't have our own production uh, of vaccines and, and masks and so on to address the, the current challenge. Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson. And uh, let me start by, by, by recognizing, Honorable Lutuli, that what COVID has done is has reminded us of how important it is to localize. Because in March last year, the country had a shortage of uh, medical grade masks, as one example, and other products. So what I'm going to do is to, to in the available time, just take uh, the honorable members through what we've done and why uh, we can be proud that in some areas South Africa has has really responded well. And let me start with masks. Uh, in in uh, March last year, when we did an initial uh, a check on what our capability is to produce those masks that frontline healthcare workers use, uh, we, we concluded that um, uh, at best we could do 6 million masks a month. And yet the country's need was much greater than that. And so we worked with companies to see how we could scale up production. By March this year, some 12 months later, we had a production capacity in South Africa of medical grade masks of some 16 million uh, per month. Now we've taken it from 6 million to 16 million uh, in the period of a year. In addition to that, there are the normal surgical masks that uh, we all use on a regular basis. When I tried to buy those surgical masks about a year ago, honorable chairperson, uh, and I looked uh, on the box, it said made in China. Uh, today, the box of masks, uh, these blue and white masks that we put on that I have available here that I can now use as a big South African um, uh, logo on it because uh, more and more of those are made in South Africa. We then worked with the clothing and textile industry to see how we can use fabric masks, which many South Africans use. You can wash the fabric masks and it, it does uh, provide a layer of protection. And some of the companies at the time when production was low because um, people were not uh, at, uh, at shops and everybody was very cautious, they began to produce very large quantities of face masks that were made with fabric. So that shows a, an enormous industrial capability that we were able to utilize in this period. Let me take a second example, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson, and um, look at hand sanitizers 
uh, as uh, as the example. Uh, when uh, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic uh, first reached our shores, South Africa did not have a very significant hand sanitizer production capability. Uh, we, we looked at what could we do to, to get more of the hand sanitizers done here in South Africa, but also the um, product that you, you cleanse surfaces with. And there were two, two uh, big ways in which we can do it. The one is those uh, products um, either use alcohol as a base or they use industrial uh, products like um, uh, ethanol uh, as a base. Ethanol is produced by Sassol and uh, we contacted Sassol, had conversations with them and they said, you know what we'll do? We'll make available all of the ethanol to the South African market to produce hand sanitizers and things to wipe surfaces with. So they then sold enormous quantities of that to smaller players who then mix uh, the ethanol with other things, with water and sometimes with scent and those kind of things to produce hand sanitizers. We uh, met with some of the alcohol players, including Distel, and they made available some of the alcohol output, particularly at the period when alcohol sales were not um, uh, permitted. And that was, was also used uh, to produce hand sanitizers. To illustrate how well we've done as a country on it, when we got to the point where the productions were, were running well, we opened up opportunity for local players to be exporting some of this product to other African countries. And um, uh, when last um, we made available this information publicly, from uh, my department, we had uh, sold uh, about 1.7 billion rands worth of hand sanitizers and related products to other African countries. So that South Africa also became a major supplier of these PPEs to, uh, to neighboring countries and to the rest of the African continent. So that we pool our industrial resources in fighting this pandemic and making sure that Africa is able to get access to these necessary uh, personal protective equipment that are used in, um, in the fight uh, against uh, the virus. In view of time, Honorable Chairperson, I'm going to stop there, but if there's more time in any follow-up questions, I can take uh, another few of the issues around COVID uh, if necessary. Uh, thank okay. you very much. Yes, we're also mindful of time, so we don't want to take too, to take too much time. Um, but I do, I do allow you a bit of space uh, to respond, uh, given the critical nature nature of the of the matters you are raising. The next uh, supplementary question comes from Honorable uh, Mamarekhane from the ANC. Honorable Mamarekhane. <coughs> Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Let me also thank you, Honorable Minister, for the response to the question. Honorable Minister, since the outbreak of COVID-19 pandemic, has the government built capacity to produce essential goods such as PPEs to circumvent procuring goods from foreign countries, which does not assist the local economy? I thank you, Chairperson. There's, there's the question, Honorable Minister. 
Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honourable Chairperson. Uh, on on the issue of PPEs, uh, Honourable uh, Mamarikhani, I've, I've responded to to that part of the question in in my uh, my earlier remarks. But could I take it a bit further and also deal with two other critical COVID products? One is ventilators that I use in hospitals uh, to provide oxygen uh, to uh, to patients. Uh, as a result of COVID. Uh, we've seen in India the, the harrowing uh, um, uh, pictures of people battling to get oxygen. So um, in, in, in April last year, we tried to get more oxygen um, uh, ventilator machines uh, for South Africa and the global markets uh, were, were stretched. Um, no one was um, uh, able to provide us with these because um, larger countries with deeper pockets were able to snap up all of that. So we launched a, a project bringing together South African engineers and um, uh, product development people and clinicians and using the resources of the state, the Solidarity Fund and uh, the private sector, we were able to build 20,000 CPAP uh, uh, ventilator units. They attach to a wall. You put it um, over your nose and mouth when there's a lack of oxygen. The oxygen is then pumped in and it, um, it has saved lives. And we, we got a, a message um, uh, last year from um, uh, clinicians at one of Gauteng's biggest hospitals uh, expressing their sincere appreciation for the lives that had been saved as a result of that South African uh, invention. Then on the vaccine development, um, uh, which uh, is the other part of it, uh, we're doing two things. The first is we are producing now in um, uh, the Eastern Cape uh, products uh, on behalf of J&J, which is an American-based company. They made a breakthrough in um, the development of a vaccine. They looked across the world at where these uh, vaccines can be produced. And they found South Africa as a significant uh, opportunity in a company called Aspen uh, Pharmacare. And Aspen, of course, has been supported in the past. It was the company that was mentioned by the president in um, the investment conference uh, in 2019 as, uh, as a company that uh, uh, we had um, a partnership with. So that was before COVID. So now that um, uh, company and that firm is being used uh, to produce these vaccines. We're also working with South African scientists and companies like BioVac, which is um, a company that is uh, a joint venture between the uh, state and the private sector uh, to develop additional uh, vaccine uh, possibilities and to see whether South Africa too could be working on uh, the development of, um, of additional vaccines, either on our own or in partnership with other countries. So those uh, illustrate a few examples of us using South Africa's industrial base uh, to respond, to place the country in a position to respond to COVID-19. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. No, thank you, Minister. The, the last supplementary question comes from uh, Honorable Okam of the DA. Okam?
sorry, Honorable Chairperson, this is not my question. Honorable Smith. Sorry, Honorable Chairperson, it's not my question, it's the Honorable Bayer Smith's question. Um, yes. So what do we do? It's Honorable Smith's question. He's not here. He's on Zoom. He's on Zoom? Yes. Yeah, what's the name again? Honorable Bayer Smith. Uh, Bayer Smith? Honorable Smith? Yes, Honorable Chair. Oh, okay, we're there, okay. I am. Um, sorry, I'm just... Please uh, proceed. Um, yeah, just hold on. Sorry, I'm just trying to get my question. It's uh, technology is throwing me off now. We have difficulty. Yeah, sorry, I'm just struggling here. Huh? Yeah, cover dear Honorable Smith. Uh, um, question it's 72. It's questions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Honorable Chairperson, if there's problem with the signal of uh, Honorable Bayer Smith, I will ask the question on his behalf, seeing that my name is apparently on the list. I don't have a problem in asking the question. Yeah, let, let's do that. Perhaps that can assist so that things can flow. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Minister, uh, how have you capacitated local economic development at a municipal level, seeing that at this stage, 80% of ANC-run municipalities cannot even provide basic services. Thank you. Is it parliamentary to misrepresent parliament? Yes. Why, why don't you go find out if the minister got the question and if he if, if it did, uh, urge him to, to respond? I, I have uh, uh, heard the, the question, Honorable uh, Chairperson, and as soon as you indicate, I'm ready to respond. Yeah, if, if, if you can just, uh, for, for my benefit, uh, just repeat what we're saying. Minister? Okay. Uh, Chairperson, I heard uh, uh, Honourable uh, Okamp uh, uh, stating the question, uh, and uh, if you wish me to respond, I am ready to respond. Please do, yeah. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, Honourable Okamp, uh, I, uh, I recognise uh, that um, uh, the question that you've put is more of a rhetorical uh, question, uh, which... Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure how it links to the localization issue when one talks about uh, the performance of different municipalities, but let me, let me respond to it uh, in a constructive manner. Uh, and the constructive manner that I want to respond is to say that the efforts around localization 
of products in our economy in order to create jobs is one that must be taken up by all three spheres of government. So what uh, national government has done and what the DTIC has done is we publish from time to time what we call product designations. So if you take uh, as an example, uh, clothing, again, I'm going to use clothing as an example. When we put a designation out that all organs of state and all spheres of government must buy clothing that are locally made, then that applies also to local municipalities. Where they need any support in securing the necessary supplies, knowing they can obviously publish tenders, we can bring those tenders to the, to the um, attention of the industry more generally, uh, and all they need to do is to ensure that those tenders have the condition of localization in it. Uh, when it comes to finding new products that can be localized, we work with municipalities in different parts of the country to build knowledge and capability. In fact, the two deputy ministers of trade, industry, and competition are now working with different district municipalities to see how we can expand local production, not only for South Africa, but even to export to other parts of the African continent. So in fact, there is a program at place and um, there are some municipalities that um, uh, show real uh, success. There are challenges with others. For example, with the city of Cape Town, I noted um, uh, about a year or so ago that there was a tendency to import goods that could be made locally. And, and that's the kind of discussions that we then have with a municipality to see how can we improve levels of localization. So um, I hope that uh, gives a, a, a response to the question. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, um, uh, Minister. We'll now move on to question 78. Question 78 is a question on the fourth industrial revolution uh, uh, for IR affect performance of local local industries. And the question is, 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 is being uh, uh, raised uh, by E.R. Lanzmann from the ANC in the Northwest and is directed to the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition. Honorable Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. I think it's a, quite an important question. Uh, and perhaps let me start by uh, just uh, contextualizing uh, what the fourth industrial revolution is. It's really a convergence of different technologies all at the same time that are integrating with each other. Technologies, for example, di digital technologies, the kind of thing that makes it possible for me to be in Pretoria today, but at the same time address uh, the NCOP. Uh, a second technology is called artificial intelligence, where computers are programmed to begin to think, uh, to begin to mimic the way in which human beings think. The third one is what are called smart robotics, where robots are no longer those kind of clumsy things that we see in movies, but uh, they are strongly integrated into computer networks and they're able to vary the kind of things that they do. And finally, uh, new production methods. 
like a printing machine. They can actually print a pen like this or can print um, a, um, uh, a set of tablets that I need to, to, to take. So those are um, the kind of technologies that are called the fourth industrial revolution. And what they, what they will open up is a world that in future will look very different to the world we have today. For example, we are now uh, having a number of companies in the United States and a few other places testing what are called driverless cars. Cars where the, there is no driver, the computer using sensors And everything automatically off the barcode and it aggregates it. You don't even pay. It just automatically takes it off your credit card because it can read your credit card. Medical services where you are able to, to go to a GP, not by physically going there, but you open up a camera like this and you have a consultation with the GP and uh, they will get you to put certain, you know, like smart watches and so on, on your body and they'll, they'll be able to get the, um, the different diagnostic information, and they can then interpret it and give you the medical advice that you need. And um, the, 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 the drones that we've now seen a little bit that people still play with, that these are used for delivery and so on. So, so it's going to change the world quite fundamentally. So in response to your first question, Honorable Lanzmann, uh, yes, the fourth industrial revolution will affect the performance of local industry because it will reinvent many industries. Now, this comes with opportunities and with threats, threats particularly of jobs and of industrial obsolescence. So in 2018, I had addressed a joint committee of parliament on the fourth industrial revolution, which also included uh, representatives from uh, the NCOP. And uh, we had outlined there, 14 major work streams that we're working on, uh, ranging from skills development to looking at um, uh, the, the jobs issue to small business opportunities to smart regulation uh, to global partnerships with big players, but also bringing in South African um, innovation and opportunity. In addition to that, the Competition Commission has put in place a market inquiry to look at the price of data because data is the new oil uh, in the economy for the fourth industrial revolution. And through the competition measures, both uh, MTN and uh, Vodacom uh, agreed to reduce their data costs last year by 30% across critical bundles and to provide a lifeline bundle to, um, to customers. And finally, we're looking at opportunities that um, uh, industrial innovators and um, industrial funding institutions uh, can use uh, to, to grow that part of the market here in South Africa so that we don't only become a buyer of those technologies, but we can also help to develop them. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Minister.
The first follow-up question will be from Honorable Khai, who will be standing in for Honorable Lansman. Honorable Khai. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chairperson, and also thanks uh, to the Honorable Minister uh, for the response and the, and the information that uh, he has provided. Uh, Honorable Minister, with respect to the fourth industrial revolution, as the government started encouraging authentically South African businesses uh, to create opportunities in this sphere to avoid having to rely on foreign countries. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Honorable Minister. Thank you, House Chair. The answer, Honorable Khai, uh, thank you for your question. The answer is yes. Uh, government has started encouraging South African businesses to create opportunities uh, to uh, avoid us simply being the importers of these technologies. And one of the key ones has been through the IDC. The IDC has um, approved projects worth about a billion rand, just over a billion rand in the last five years in um, projects that it regards as the building blocks of the fourth industrial revolution. For example, they've helped uh, a company to establish uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning competence in South Africa uh, to be able to, um, uh, to do work in, um, in different sectors like foundries, automotive, milling, and so on. Uh, one, one of the companies called Data Profit uh, uh, uses machine learning technology to assist manufacturing firms to reduce and eliminate defects and scrap rates in their processes. It's a Cape Town-based company, and it develops these software products that can really improve uh, what is being done. Uh, the IDC has also uh, supported um, uh, companies that use voice and virtual private network services uh, in South African residential areas and in corporate markets. And uh, one of those uh, firms is owned by, it's a black female empowered entrepreneur, Ms. Lindiwe Mokoni. And um, uh, the company hopes to be able to create a significant number of jobs as a downstream service provider to the uh, fiber optics infrastructure industry. We're also looking now at how we can enhance um, and ensure proper competition in e-commerce marketplaces, uh, in dealing with what is called travel and accommodation aggregators uh, and these various delivery services. There are early versions of how um, e-commerce, electronic commerce, will be reshaped in the period ahead. So, Honorable Khai, uh, I think you've put your finger on what, what is required for South Africa to build this kind of capability. It's going to be tough because it needs a partnership between universities, funding agencies, and, um, and inventors, South African innovators. But we, we recognize this is an important area of work. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Minister. The second follow-up question is from Honorable Tutoit. Honorable Tutoit. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Minister, with all the jobs lost as a result of government's restrictive lockdown regulations, the current education channel, uh, challenges, the absence of an environment that's conducive to stimulating the economy and small business development for all South Africans. Um, we know that South Africa is in a situation where the third industrial revolution 
hasn't been fulfilled completely. And as you stated uh, earlier on that the introduction or the implementation fully of the fourth industrial revolution will result uh, in further job losses. Would you say that the gains in employment opportunities are more in the fourth industrial revolution than in the third industrial revolution that we are currently sitting in? And uh, secondly, would you say that South Africa is ready for the fourth industrial revolution at this date and time. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Doid. Honorable Minister. Thank you, House, uh, House Chair. I think let me start with the last question by Honorable Dutoy. Is South Africa ready? I think what I have indicated in the, in the previous reply are the steps we're taking to ensure as great a readiness as we can be. Across the world, every country recognizes that no one is fully ready for the challenges of the fourth industrial revolution because we don't fully know how it's going to reshape labor markets and product markets. President Ramaphosa chaired a, um, uh, a big um, uh, panel that was set up by the United Nations Agency, the ILO. Uh, he was the co-chairperson of that entity and it looked at the future of work. How are these technologies changing what work is? And so the investment we need to make are in the following area. The first is we must build the infrastructure for the fourth industrial revolution. And we're doing that now with the rollout of fiber optic, with the, um, the work on the release of spectrum, which has been delayed by a court case. Uh, through the efforts we're making to bring the price of data down, as I've indicated, the efforts of the competition. So that's one leg of what needs to be done. The second leg is what needs to be done to develop South African skills, the new skills that will be required in the fourth industrial revolution. So we've had engagements with universities. Uh, in um, the previous administration, I had uh, uh, met with... Uh, 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 academics and university leadership to see what it is that's required in the change in the, uh, in the curriculum that will place South Africa uh, 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 in a position to do this. The reforms in basic education to consider bringing coding in as an additional language, even at high school, is one more example of it. The third leg of it is funding, and I've spoken about what the IDC and others are doing uh, to provide uh, what, is, what is required. The fourth one is industrial uh, innovation, meaning coming up with new products. And that is where we create through the Department of Science and Innovation a conducive environment for South Africans uh, to be doing this, although the DTIC is also doing its little bit through the innovation incentives that uh, we have in place. Now, all of those help to prepare us for, us for a future that is being determined in the laboratory at the moment. Those inventions that will come off the production line will reshape our world. There's no automatic difference between the third industrial revolution and the fourth industrial revolution. There is some, uh, first of all, the fourth industrial revolution uh, uses some technologies in the third industrial revolution. And of course, there's always a phase in period around this. Across the world, everybody is worried about 
what the jobs implication has been. In the past, every big industrial revolution has resulted in more jobs. Yes, it has resulted in the loss of jobs in old technologies, but it's brought even more jobs uh, in terms of the new technologies. For all the typists that were replaced in the typing pools, when we use these manual typewriters, there are many, many more people now in the digital economy uh, producing computers, writing software, and all of those things. But what makes the fourth industrial revolution different is that it's not just a manual labor replacement. It's also white-collar workers. I mean, even politicians may find that populations can more easily determine on an ongoing basis what is the, the national consensus on an issue because we would all be able to tap into our phones and we can vote in real time on different things. So even how parliamentary systems will have to evolve would be very, very different. And where I think, uh, Honorable Dutoy, we do need to focus is on the issue of jobs. There's been some very interesting studies that have been released looking at whether there will be a net job gain or net job loss globally. And some of the uh, companies have now begun to... Um, to customize that to South Africa to see where the new jobs are. What it does mean is our education systems would have to be upgraded and revolutionized to be able to pro pro produce the kind of, of skills that's needed. They build again the importance of uh, investing strongly in, in technical education, in maths and science, in coding, in those areas. But design skills will also play a big role in future. Thank you very much, uh, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The next supplementary question is from Honourable Labuskakne. Honourable Labuskakne. Thank you, Chair. Honourable Minister, the fourth industrial revolution has been uh, pondered around by the ANC politicians for years whilst the world has surged forward in the sector. In 2020, South Africa ranked 59th out of 63 economies in the Institute for Management Development World Competitiveness Yearbook, its lowest ranking since the inception of that yearbook. We see the demand of technical skills in South Africa soaring, but supply unfortunately falls short. Minister, what is the time frame that all these initiatives that you've mentioned, like the parliamentary committee and the 14 work streams and the update of the education system and many things that you already mentioned, what would be the time frame that this, these initiatives um, will need to put South Africa in a better competitive uh, position that will enable us to draw investments and create more and new jobs. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Labushkahni. I take it the first part of the comment is really just a political uh, comment uh, or speech. I'm going to deal with the, the part that I think is the question, which is the time frames. We're beginning to do it already, Honorable Labushkahne. I know that the parliamentary questions are prepared even before I give my first reply, but I can point you to my reply where I indicated not what we plan to do.
and universities. They can now make the changes to their curriculum. Uh, we've had the discussions uh, with industries to see what changes they need to make in uh, promoting new technologies. We sat down, for example, with the auto industry to say uh, if the, the development of technologies around uh, autonom the, uh, autonomous vehicles, or what are called driverless cars, take off, how can we make sure that South Africa and our car-making capabilities can utilize uh, those technologies? So, uh, of course, it's not that uh, you can even predict a clear time frame because whatever we planned two years ago and as we are implementing it, there are new changes in the world of technology. There's not a fourth industrial revolution that took place and then stopped, and now we must respond to it. It's an ongoing change in technologies, in work processes, in the way things are converging across those platforms that I mentioned in my initial response. So um, uh, these things are going to be the work of an entire generation. This generation and possibly the generation after that will all have to do the adaptation uh, to the new realities of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The fourth follow-up question is from Honourable Arnold. Honourable Arnold. Minister, um, how we respond to future work largely depends on how we prepare today. With the fourth industrial revolution bringing about skill shortages, upskilling, or in some cases, reskilling, would be essential to keep up with the rate of change. Many industrial revolution technologies offer uh, the, the country a space on the global stage for innovation and local black business leaders are realizing the opportunities technologies enable. My question to you, Minister, is why is South Africa not establishing a technology bank and import technology that contribute to industrialization and make it available for researchers for free as an open source technology? I thank you. Honourable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, uh, House Chair, and uh, to uh, Honourable uh, Anod. I think, Honourable Anod, the, the part that I would, I would uh, strongly agree with you is that future work does depend on what we do today. And you've mentioned upskilling and reskilling. I'm going to add a further one to it, and that is lifelong learning. In the old uh, Fordist model of production that we had in much of the 20th century, you go to Technicon or you go to university or you go to college and you learn something, you get a diploma, a certificate or a degree, and then you go into work. And then you work for 40 years and then you go into retirement. In the new world we, we live in and that is emerging, no university or um, college will be able to teach you all that you need to know for your entire working life. So we need to think of education now as something that you do throughout life, where firms, for example, may have to be able to give you time off 
for example, every five years or every eight years or so, to go and do a few months of learning new things. Already many professions um, have a continuous development program where you are obliged if you want to remain a doctor or a chartered accountant, that you, you must go for continuous upgrading of your skill. This will become the norm uh, throughout society. I want to then say on the question of a technology bank, even if the idea is a good idea uh, to, to import technology, once you import something, you don't have um, intellectual uh, ownership of the, um, uh, the copyright uh, and the patents of that machine. Let's say we, uh, we imported a 3D printer. We can't buy that printer, uh, give it to uh, a South African entrepreneur and say, you can produce the same thing uh, using open source because that technology may be patented. And so what we, what we need to do as South Africa is two things. The one is we need to develop among South Africans the capacity to innovate and produce some of this. And secondly, we need to be able to, to scan the global market. And when we see great inventions, we need to bring them to South Africa and utilize them and where necessary, adapt them to the needs of production and, and new services. So, um, but we can't only rely on imports. We also need to develop our own capabilities because there's a global uh, set of agreements called the TRIPS agreements uh, that um, uh, protect intellectual property. South Africa, of course, is in a big uh, campaign at the moment to relax those TRIPS um, uh, provisions uh, for uh, COVID-19 vaccines and other products. But that's outside the discussion on the fourth industrial revolution. So in summary, skills development on a lifelong basis, plus uh, trying to develop some technologies in South Africa and then rapidly adapting global technologies to our local circumstances. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honourable Minister. Honourable Minister, we now come to question number 84, asked by Honourable Matebula. Honourable Minister. No, uh, correction, it's question 85. It, thank you. It's question number 85. Honorable thank Minister. You, uh, thank you, House Chair, and uh, thank you, Honorable Matebula, for the question. Uh, the short answer is yes. We have received complaints uh, emanating from Limpopo regarding price hikes uh, by... Uh, uh, supermarkets and shops and others for essential items during the lockdown. And these were routed through to the Competition Commission as well as the Consumer Commission. In uh, Honorable Matevula, you may recall that during the early weeks of the national state of disaster, we saw complaints everywhere around excessive pricing and what is called price gouging, particularly for basic and essential goods. And uh, we recognize as government that uh, demand was outstripping supply and um, unscrupulous entrepreneurs were exploiting the situation to make unjustified profits at enormous harm to uh, communities and citizens. We worked with the Competition Commission and the National Consumer Commission. Uh, we published a set of regulations on the 19th of March last year in terms of the Competition Act 
and the Consumer Pro uh, Protection Act. And all of these acted to restrain uh, what uh, uh, could be done. 58 complaints of price, uh, excessive pricing were received from the Limpopo province since the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. The majority of these complaints were against small retailers, some of them spaza shops and small local independent retailers. In other instances, uh, uh, they were they related, there were national complaints against the practices of supermarkets. In uh, the Competition Commission applied the law uh, to the facts. In uh, a number of cases, they could not find evidence that the markup of those retailers were outside of the legal framework. Uh, and given that many of those companies, those spaza shops and so on, it's not their markup. They had to pay more in many cases to the suppliers of the goods. And some of those goods were imported and were outside of the control. Uh, besides that though, uh, the commission did conclude undertakings with major retailers, including spa and pick and pay to cap, to limit uh, the markup on, for example, products like uh, ginger and garlic. Uh, uh, on the honorable member will know these were two examples, but there were others also where prices were going up very, very rapidly. And I have no doubt that these engagements uh, uh, are, are assisting in containing prices in uh, the Limpopo uh, province. And um, uh, that, that then is the report that we've been able to obtain. Many of the complaints were national rather than provincial, but in Limpopo, we also had a number of complaints. Uh, thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The first follow-up question is from Honourable Matevula. Honourable Matevula. Or Honourable Lutuli will assist, uh, stand in for Honourable Matevula. Honourable Lutuli. Uh, thank you, Chaperson. Um, Patisom Nyango, is it always in cool days? Ebis Daisa is in Bachelor, is in my essential. Mrs. Daisa Manani appears on Jobaja Bessie, Uzenzela, Insuzo in cool. Have your department conducted a roadshow in Toyando and Malamulela to inform consumers on the functions of the competition? Um, Commission and what is your department doing to ensure that services of competition commission are accessible in other rural and uh, township communities? Communities, thank you. Thank you, Honourable Lutuli. Honourable Minister. Uh, thank you uh, to Honourable Lutuli for the follow-up question. Uh, the the first thing is on the accessibility of the competition commission and the. Consumer Commission, uh, early in the, uh, the lockdown period, uh, the um, regulators published a toll-free number so that it is possible for uh, South Africans anywhere across the country to immediately access the, um, uh, the services. In the early days when we saw this, this big set of challenges, we even had people manning the phone lines after hours so that we are able to log in uh, that. The Competition Commission has also publicized. We had a number of uh, media conferences that were, that were streamed live on SABC and other networks where the Competition Commissioner 
Commissioner Bonakele was able to highlight the work uh, that he and his team was doing, as well as the, uh, the uh, um, Consumer Commissioner. So uh, we were able to get um, a high level of response across the country, and not only uh, from uh, urban areas, but also outside of urban areas. On the question of the spikes themselves, um, Honorable Lutuli, I think what we saw was uh, entrepreneurs basically exploiting a situation in a number of cases, and san sanitizers that were costing maybe 30 rand before the, um, the uh, rush uh, for goods suddenly went up to 90 rand, 100 rand, 150 rand, and so on. So we, we saw it with face masks where the, the prices went up. And we took action in a number of cases in different parts of the country, which, while they were not confined to Limpopo, would have had a positive effect even in Limpopo because, of course, these goods are often supplied from warehouses in Johannesburg where if the goods are imported or from factories uh, in different parts of the country. So um, uh, the lesson out of it is we acted very swiftly. We published the regulations. We gave the regulators teeth. And um, uh, I have no doubt that without us doing that, our people would have faced much, much harsher actions by unscrupulous uh, traders uh, in, in these circumstances. Uh, thank you, uh, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The second follow-up question is from Honourable Lond. Honourable Lond. Honourable, sorry, Honourable Okam will stand in for, for Honourable Lond. Honourable Okam. Thank you, House Chair. Honourable Minister, similar to private businesses and corporations that sometimes do exploit situations as referred to in the regional question, by inflating their prices, and obviously there's a, uh, a warranted outcry there too. Doesn't the same apply to businesses that uses government regulations, such as triple B double E, to ask exorbitant prices to benefit only themselves and not ensure that residents get value for the taxes they pay? Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Lund. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you, House Chair. Honorable Okam, um, I, I'm uh, struck by the fact that obviously um, you have points of view which are now being squeezed into these questions when there's no clear connection between them. Let me take the, the BEE issue, broad-based black economic empowerment. Uh, companies across South Africa uh, comply with the BEE scorecards. They invest in training of workers, they get points for that. They invest in um, supplier development, they get points for that. They um, uh, may arrange that some of the shielding of the company are in the hands of black South Africans. We, we recently announced that Coca-Cola had agreed that 15% of the shares of Coca-Cola Beverage South Africa would be in the hands of the workers of the company. Now that has nothing to do with their pricing practices. Whether you have a BEE rating or you don't have a BEE rating, if you charge excessive pricing, it is bad for the economy, it's bad for South Africans. And I can point to a number of companies that we investigated.
that had no BEE rating uh, to talk of who were doing this kind of thing. So the honorable member is entitled to his point of view about broad-based black economic empowerment. He's fully entitled to his point of view, uh, but he struggles, I think, to draw the connection between that point of view and the question under discussion, which is what must happen, uh, what has happened with price rises uh, in the pandemic. Let me make it clear that it is in the interest of all South Africans that we have transformation in the economy, that we bring more young people, more women, more black South Africans into running businesses, that we have more shareholding of workers in their own company, that we have more training of workers. A number of uh, members earlier spoke about the importance of training in the context of the fourth industrial revolution. For example, uh, Honorable Anot spoke about it. And um, uh, Honorable, uh, uh, one of the Honorable members spoke about the ranking of South Africa. What the BEE policy do, does do, it allows companies to get uh, points for skills development. Surely, uh, Honorable um, Ocamp, that's a good thing. It's something you should be celebrating. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Minister. The third follow-up question is from Honorable Ngwezi. Honorable Ngwezi. Honorable Ngwezi. Unfortunately, it will be impossible to have a person that will stand in for him. We'll move to the next follow-up question, which is from Honorable Miemang. Honorable Miemang. Thank you, thank you, thank you, House Chair. Uh, let me uh, also express my gratitude to the, to the Minister for a comprehensive response. The follow-up question that I wanted to pose, the Minister was able to address it when he dealt with the second follow-up question on the matter. I'm happy with the, with, with, with the response that I was giving. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Minister. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable, thank you, Honorable Miemang. Honorable Ngwezi, are you on the... No. Thank you, Honorable Miemang. Honorable Minister, Honorable Miemang, it's covered. We, Honorable Minister, we come to the next question on the other paper, which is question number seven, nine, asked by Honorable Moshodi, Honorable Minister. Thank you very much uh, to Honorable Moshodi for the question. And, and let me start, um, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, House Chair, to say that South Africa is playing a key role uh, through helping to unite the voice of developing countries by creating a common African voice and by strengthening South Africa's own technology and production capabilities, because that helps us to have the, um, the larger role that Honorable Moshodi speaks to in the question. And I want to focus on our role in a few areas to show how South Africa does it. And I'm going to cover uh, work in the World Trade Organization, the G20, BRICS, the African Union, and our own domestic economy uh, within uh, the time that may be, may be available. So in the World Trade Organization, what South Africa does there is 
It puts forward very strongly the view of developing countries, arguing for policy space. We recently have been leading the discussions on behalf of um, uh, the uh, African, Caribbean and Pacific countries uh, on uh, fisheries. Uh, we've put in place now a request for a waiver of um, uh, intellectual property restrictions for COVID vaccines. In the G20, we, we use that platform to advocate the broad position of developing countries. I recently spoke at a, um, a meeting of steel ministers of the G20 about the importance of protecting Africa's industrialization capabilities. In BRICS, we constantly make sure that the BRICS uh, New Development Bank is able to, um, to, to develop a vision covering not just South Africa, but also uh, other countries in, in the continent it's, in its thinking about the future. Uh, and um, in the work that we do on the continent, uh, we, we are pioneering now and working closely with neighbors in other African countries on the African continental free trade area. And at the moment, South Africa is um, chairing the uh, Council of Ministers of Trade of the African continental free trade area to help provide uh, a, an opportunity for us to build uh, the, the Africa we want. And finally, in the efforts we're doing in uh, areas like master plans and so on, what it does do, it helps us to build our economic capability, which as I said in my introductory remark, helps to define our role globally uh, and ensure that our profile among developing countries and as a uh, representative of developing countries is fully recognized globally. Uh, thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Minister. The first follow-up question is from Honorable Moshodi. Honorable Moshodi. Thank you very much, House Chairperson. Good afternoon, Honorable Minister. Thanks for your response. My follow-up question is, whether, the, whether there is any plan to ensure South African business profit from the trade agreement in the African continent and what does this plan in, in detail entails? Thank you very much, House Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Mushodi. Honorable Minister. Thank you very much, Honorable Mushodi, for the follow-up question. Uh, yes, the answer is uh, there are plans to ensure that South African businesses profit from the trade agreement that, because those trade agreements are about creating jobs for South Africans. They're about expanding our industrial capability. And so the, the plans come in a couple of uh, uh, elements. The first one is in the agreement, the African continental free trade area, we have set rules of origin that ensures that products must have content that are made on the African continent, that we can't have products that are made in Asia imported into an African country and then benefiting from the continental free trade area to send it to South Africa or to any other African country. So that's the, the rules of origin. Secondly, we've sat down now with different sectors and we've said to them, here is the continental free trade area. You now need to develop an action plan for exports to the rest of the continent. We've done that with the auto sector. They've already begun 
exporting and they've got a, a broad approach to export what are called auto kits, which are then uh, assembled in, um, in other African countries. The third area is that we have worked now through the two deputy ministers, Deputy Minister Majola and Deputy Minister Gina are working with district municipalities to develop export plans for every district municipality uh, in South Africa. It will take us a bit of time to get that completed, but it's an important part of the work uh, that we want to do. The fourth area is we already have successful South African exporters and we're seeing how we can assist them and help them. For example, I, I spoke earlier, um, uh, uh, honorable members may recall that when I spoke of what we're doing on um, uh, developing the South African economy, uh, I mentioned the cooler bag uh, example, uh, and uh, that was uh, in response, I think, to a question by Honorable Mbwezi. Now, that same cooler bag, uh, uh, that uh, business is run by Tami Goa, and he exports those cooler bags now to Mozambique. So he's not only in the South African market, he's also moved now to other African markets. Or um, there is someone, uh, Zanele Sibandi. He makes these doors, you know, the hollow core doors that are used for internal doors. So she don't only supply the South African market, she also now sells those doors to Botswana. Or Sibu uh, Mapatiani, who has a foundry in Gauteng uh, that, he, that he owns. And he, one of the things he does are these train brake shoes. And he's now selling those to Zimbabwe. Or Nsiki Biela uh, is a winemaker in the Western Cape. And she sells wine not only in South Africa, but also in Ghana. Uh, or the Monsi family uh, who exports machine cutting tools to Mauritania. What all of these show are examples of us beginning to implement the opportunities on our continent and the continental free trade area can support that further. There's also actions by the IDC and others to support exports to the rest of the continent. And, um, and so South Africa currently benefits in that there are uh, hundreds of thousands of South African jobs that uh, are dependent on what we export to the rest of the African continent. Thank you very much, uh, House Chair. <laughs> Thank you, Honourable Minister. Not unless Honourable Ngwezi is winning in terms of his connection, we'll move to the next follow-up question from Honourable Moletsane. Honourable Moletsane. Honourable Moletsane is just right at the corner. No, it's fine. The one in front of you, it's fine. Oh, this one. Yes. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson. Minister, in October 2019, you launched a digital transformation program in partnership with Microsoft South Africa to embark on a, on a digital transformation journey to unlock business potential which I believe contribute to develop this country. How successful is the program to date? Thank you, Chair. 
Thank you, Honorable Molitsane. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Molitsane, for the question. Uh, I do want to point out that the question is obviously not connected uh, to a uh, question uh, that we are currently dealing with, which is question 79. But um, I, am, I have been advised that there's been quite a bit of progress with the Microsoft project. And uh, should uh, uh, Honorable Molitsani require more information, we can provide that. So what we did was with Microsoft is we did what is called a um, uh, equity equivalent investment program where they needed to invest in the development of skills and small business support. And I'm really pleased, Honorable Molitsani, at the, the interest um, in, in these kind of programs. They're absolutely critical. They're about giving opportunities to young South Africans to enter these technology-driven uh, parts of, of the economy, and many of them can sustain small businesses. But more of those details can be made available if, um, if, so, if so required. Uh, thank you very much, uh, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Minister. I can also confirm, Honourable Minister, that in terms of the rule of the NCOP, if there's anything that is in relation to statistics, you can also table so that uh, as members we can go through and familiarize ourselves with the detailed response that we are giving. Uh, the next uh, follow-up question, Honourable Minister, it's uh, from Honourable Poshov. Honourable Poshov? Thank you very much, House Chair. Minister, um, the question posed by Honorable Moshidi clearly illustrates how the bar has been lowered by the ANC. We were a major role player earlier into the democratic dispensation, but due to policy uncertainty and I'm sure the current infighting amongst the ruling party, um, policy uncertainty has driven away foreign direct investments. Minister, therefore, what current legislation that is driving down our competitive advantage would you change to turn the tide? Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Poshov. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Aushi. Honorable Boshov, you, you indicate that South Africa was a major role player early in the democracy. I can, I can uh, state quite emph emphatically that before 1994, under apartheid, South Africa was not a major role player. In fact, the country was isolated by the community of nations and uh, South Africa was not able to make its contribution. It is democracy that brought that opportunity for our country, for its citizens. And over the period uh, of the democratic era, South Africa has not only been able to um, uh, be nominated as um, a, um, a member, a non-permanent member of the United Nations Security Council, but South Africa has been invited into the G20, which is the, the 20... Uh, of, of the 20 most significant economies in the world. We are one of five members of um, a, a highly uh, influential grouping made up of um, 
China, Russia, India, Brazil, and South Africa, which is called BRICS. Uh, we are a member of the African Union, uh, which we previously under apartheid were not. And um, uh, we play a leading role there together with our neighbors and others. And so uh, we do indeed enjoy a significant standing in the community of nations uh, throughout this democratic period. As regards the issue of uh, policy uncertainty, my responsibilities lie in respect of the laws and policies that are within the domain of the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition. And uh, in the annual performance plan, I laid out a vision of how we are going to contribute to improving the ease of doing business by getting the public entities of the DTIC to review how we can ensure that. And I want to give one example. The Companies and Intellectual Property Commission, the CIPC, which is a, uh, an, agent, uh, an agency of the department, they're responsible for registering companies. Now, five years ago, four years, three years ago, it was a laborious process to register a company. People would often pay someone to go to Pretoria and go and stand in a queue and go to the CIPC office to try to register which as you can understand, if you live in a small rural area is costly and disruptive. So what we did was we built an online portal so that everybody would be able to register a company online. But we said, let's in fact um, improve the offering. We don't only want you to be able to register it online. We want you to do it quickly and get the results quickly. So now within a few hours, you can complete your registration. You don't have to wait weeks or months anymore. But then we said, let's make it even easier. Don't only provide for the right to, um, to, to register your company. Why don't we sit down with SARS and say, can't that young entrepreneur also register for tax purposes? So we put that in. Can they not register? We worked with the Department of Labor for unemployment insurance and WCA. We put that in. Why can't they also register to get their ZA domain name? We put that in. Why can't we also work with the banks to see, is it not possible for them to put in their application to open a bank account? Now, these different value-added services makes it much easier uh, for people to work on this. The president has put in place a reform program on overall legislation, on the ease of doing business, for example, on water use licenses, the speed with which we issue that, uh, the release of spectrum and so on. And at the investment conferences once a year, the president lays out the progress we've made. And we've seen even in the COVID period last year that we had fresh commitments from investors for additional investments uh, exceeding 100 billion rand. So um, uh, we need to do even more. Uh, we need to make South Africa a very attractive place and we must not stop until we have achieved very, very high levels of investment and we're able to provide jobs to all our young people through economic activities in the private sector and through strengthened performance by the public sector. And so that remains our focus, uh, Honorable Boschow. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Honourable Minister, we now come to question number seven one, asked by Honourable Dutroit. Honourable Minister. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, House Chair. And can I thank uh, Honorable Dutoy for the, uh, the question? And um, uh, I, would, I would start by, by saying, yes, the mission of our department uh, is to uh, uh, have measures in place to assist with uh, the agriculture and manufacturing sectors to obtain uh, uh, key inputs that they require. But my yes comes with a big proviso. And my proviso, Honorable uh, Dutoy, is that we should not simply be seeking to import parts from other parts in the world. We should not be only importing parts, machinery, equipment, and chemicals. We must also look on a case-by-case -case basis. Is there a business case we can create to localize production? And I gave the example earlier uh, to uh, questions that um, were posed by uh, honorable members from the EFF and the ANC to point to what we had done on the production of uh, hand sanitizers, masks, ventilators, and so on. We could simply have tried to import them, but when you make them locally, you also create jobs locally. But at the same time, we recognize not every part for a tractor or every piece of equipment can always be made locally. So we have programs in place to uh, facilitate and promote the importation of critical things uh, where uh, we use what are called rebates on duties, tariff reductions, IDC funding support, or competitiveness programs. For example, in the last um, two years, there have been instances where the price of wheat and of sugar have come down. And in other cases, of course, they've gone up. We've had tariff reductions in manufactured products. Uh, for example, tin plate uh, that's used in, uh, in packaging uh, by food producers like Tiger and Pioneer and so on. We, uh, we put in place a rebate provision on that. Similarly, on aluminium used in the production of cans, for beverages and other products. The IDC itself has sought to support companies with um, their funding, including a new uh, partnership with the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development uh, to establish a 1 billion rand agri-industrial fund. And then there's a range of competitiveness programs with industry that we're working on uh, to, to promote and support this. So in summary, Honorable Dutoy, where we can, we need to find and develop a business case to localize these kind of things. Um, where we are not able to, where there's not a compelling business case that can emerge, we need to be able to see whether on a case-by-case -case basis, we reduce the price of these inputs. And it's finding that careful balance uh, that is uh, the work uh, of trade and industrial policy. Uh, thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The first follow-up question is from Honourable Dutoit. Honourable Dutoit. Thank you, Chair. Thank you for the answer, Honourable Minister. Honourable Minister, um, with regards, or taking everything that you said into consideration. Honourable Nzube, mute your mic. Sorry, Honourable Dutoit. You can continue, Honorable Dutoit. Thank you, Chair. Honorable Minister, thank you for your, for your answer. Uh, but it seems as if 
some of the, uh, well, part of the answer that you gave speaks to the future, things that must be developed and must be looked into instead of what is currently taking place. And um, we all know that the agricultural sector is of utmost importance to the country with regards to uh, job security, food security, etc. Uh, my question is, Minister, are there any plans in place to assist the agricultural and manufacturing sector to increase exports and reduce input costs without discrimination? Thank you, Minister. Thank you, Honorable Dutoy. Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you, Honorable Dutoy, for the follow-up question. I think, Honorable Dutoy, you would want to um, uh, join me in congratulating South African farmers for the fact that we are now the world's second biggest exporter of citrus fruit. And we think uh, it is not beyond our means to expand even more in the years ahead. Uh, you'd also want to join me in congratulating South African farmers for the fact that in the last quarter of last year, a very big part of the economic recovery was a result of expanded output from agriculture. And um, uh, Honorable Dutoy, you'd also like to no doubt join me in congratulating our red meat producers because we've opened up markets for them in many new parts of the world. Yes, we agree. To now sell their red meat, whereas those markets were previously constrained. Now, I want to agree with you that the agriculture sector is very important. It's important for jobs. It's important for food security. It's an important contributor to downstream agro-processing, so it creates value for our GDP. And so we need to do many things. So what are we doing there? In the poultry industry, we're working closely with the poultry producers to see how we can help them to become more competitive, both on the domestic market and for export market. And I mentioned earlier that South Africa is now producing a million additional chickens a week. Every week, South African grown chickens that go onto our plates when we eat uh, those delicious uh, meals made with chicken, uh, Honorable Dutoy. We're also working with the sugar industry to, uh, to help localize. And in last year, there was an increase in the level of local sugar that was used because we reached agreements with the big retailers and food companies to, to buy more South African made sugar. I also concluded an agreement with Coca-Cola um, just a few months ago uh, that will see small scale farmers benefiting more from uh, sugar uh, production uh, and the use of sugar in the Coca-Cola uh, supply chain. And the IDC, I think, uh, has played a, a, an important role in supporting even large farmers as well as medium and small farmers. So we've had, we've tried to do all of this to make sure small-scale farming is actively promoted. But we also recognize that these large um, agricultural holdings are also important earners of foreign exchange. So we have a very balanced program, and we're now working actively to bring more uh, small-scale farmers, more black farmers into um, the supply chain. In the poultry industry, for example, the big poultry farmers accepted. It's a necessary part of building the sector that they must also contribute to building uh, 
the businesses of black contract farmers. So the, these are SAPA members themselves, South African Poultry Association members themselves that are now doing these partnership agreements. So out there in practice, some good things are happening, Honorable Dutoy, and I want you to celebrate it and say to us, well done, because it's the country that benefits. It cuts across uh, questions of political parties and identity. Thank you, House Chair. Yes. Thank you, Thank you Honorable Minister. Thank you. The next follow-up question will be asked by Honorable Molezane. Honorable Molezane. Uh, Thank you, House Chair. The Minister, I've heard you that uh, when saying that the farmers are grouping themselves in order to assist each other. But now I want to check with you from the government. Is there any measures in place to assist those small black developing farmers to afford to buy agricultural equipment to be in position to contest with their counterparts. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Moletsani. It's an important question because if we are going to unlock the real opportunity of agriculture, we've got to bring small scale farmers in large numbers into commercial agriculture and help them to run farms that are profitable, that employs people, and that are able to contribute to our economy. So um, uh, very recently, uh, probably about a month and a half, two months ago, we launched a new 1 billion rand fund that will be available to small-scale farmers and to medium-sized farmers uh, that will enable across different value chains uh, for support to be rendered. This fund is driven by Minister Toko Didiza and her department. It's done in partnership with the Industrial Development Corporation that falls under the DTIC, and I have requested the, uh, the IDC to make additional funding available from their own balance sheet to support these measures in agriculture. And the IDC is now seeking to do that. Over and above that, the IDC also has an agro-processing competitiveness fund has already seen successes for smaller scale and medium-sized uh, farms. And that is something that we think we can stretch further. And the third thing is the state is a procurer of farming products. And the state can, through the preferential procurement uh, arrangements in our legislation, uh, help to support the entry and the financial viability of small-scale farmers uh, very much along the lines of what you said. So I've mentioned here a few examples of what government can do and is doing now to be able to build the inclusive farming community that South Africa needs. Thank you, uh, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The third follow-up question will be asked by Honourable Okam, who will be standing in for Honourable Christian. Honourable Okam. Thank you, Honourable House Chair. Honourable Minister, the Western Cape government has by taking hands with the private sector, created an environment where the Western Cape government have, despite COVID, recorded highest exports 
figures in the agricultural field. Looking at the Western Cape model, what best practices are you intending to implement to the rest of the country to achieve the same? Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Okam. Honorable Minister. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Okam. I see that uh, you are very busy today with the supplementary questions. And if I may say that on the question of the Western Cape farmers, every Western Cape farmer is also a South African farmer. Every Western Cape farming worker is also a South African worker. And so we don't distinguish, we don't see the world as here is the Western Cape and there is South Africa. Uh, that notion is not in our vocabulary. We love it when good things happen in the Western Cape, in the Eastern Cape, in Gauteng, in Mpumalanga, in Northwest, in Free State, in Limpopo, in uh, KwaZulu-Natal, uh, in Eastern Cape and in Northern Cape, because we're one country. And when there's things we can learn from what one farmer does, or one sector does, or one, one province does, we help to ensure that that knowledge is uh, shared uh, to the best of our ability across the country, because ultimately we are one country. I think it's a limiting vision that constantly say, we're the best in this province, and what, do you, what are you going to do about it? Let's rather embrace South Africa's successes. When we do well in citrus farming, it is, a, it is as a result of the efforts of citrus farmers in the Western Cape. And I love the citrus of the Western Cape. I'm born in the Cape and I know that uh, West Coast area and those citrus farms. But it's also as a result of the work of citrus farmers in the Eastern Cape. And they produce absolutely wonderful citrus fruit. And in Limpopo, which is the food basket, it's increasingly becoming the food basket of South Africa and um, uh, so I look at all of that. When the Western Cape exports, for example, at Woolworths, you see that those really delicious citrus fruit, uh, which are uh, quite pricey nowadays, I must say, uh, that company, which is a major exporter, it's come out with a, a, um, a type of citrus fruit that is particularly um, tangy. You know, it's a, it's a very, very interesting taste. That company had support from the Industrial Development Corporation, which is a national agency. That company happens to have, uh, it's called Clement Gold. They happen to have an operation in the Western Cape, but they get support from national government. So, Honorable Okam, can I, can I urge you to reframe how you look at the world? Look at the world as a South African, as a proud South African, in which everything that happens that's good in South Africa is good for all of us. And that includes the Western Cape. And everything bad that happens in South Africa is bad for all of us. And that includes in the Western Cape. When I, as a Capetonian who is committed to that city, uh, my forebears come from that city for uh, yeah, a long, long, long time. I can say, when I look at the crime rate, when I look at people without sanitation, I am ashamed that we are not doing more there. In the same way, when I go to the Eastern Cape or I go to the Northern Cape, when I see problems of our people, I feel we should be doing even more. We must try more. So both the gains and the losses, the good points and the challenges, let's embrace it as South Africans. Thank you very much.
Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Western you. Cape, not a folk star. Correct. Hey, Chief Webb. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Honorable Minister. The and last follow-up question come from uh, Honorable Khai. Honorable Khai. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Health Chair. Uh, thank you, uh, Honorable Minister, once more uh, for the response. My question is whether government has considered creating and supporting local business in this regard to capacity uh, with a view to reducing the rate at which we are dependent on foreign economies. Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you, Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Khai. Honorable Minister. Uh, Chairperson, uh, through you, thank you very much, Honorable Khai. Uh, Honorable Khai, your question goes to the heart of what our growth plan is South Africa is importing too much as a percentage of our GDP. I looked at the results recently of South Africa's um, imports as a percentage of GDP. I compared it with the United States and the European Union. I compared it with Brazil and India and China and Russia. And all of those show we import too much as a percentage of our GDP. So we now are taking some steps uh, to support local manufacturing. There's a range of programs in the DTIC, the master plan programs. We designate certain products that the state must buy from local players. And we have a partnership with the private sector now where we're working together on six key value chains that we want to localize. And through the chair, if I may, uh, just um, uh, in responding to Honorable Hai's question, identify what those six value chains are. They're in agro-processing, and that includes things like poultry and sugar and oils and grains and juice concentrates and dairy products. They're the healthcare value chains covering pharmaceutical products, PPEs, medical equipment like ventilators. They're in basic consumer goods like clothing and footwear, home textiles, electronic goods, uh, washing machines, those kind of things. They're in capital goods like equipment and industrial inputs used in the mining sector and in agriculture and in the green economy. They're in construction-driven uh, value chains such as cement and steel and piping. And they're in transport through uh, rolling stock, cars, uh, trains, and, um, and trucks. And all of these represents the vision of what we, the private sector and government and the labor movement, the trade unions have agreed we will work on. And over the next number of years, we hope we can get great successes in many of these areas. No doubt there will be challenges, there will be setbacks, but we must get up, dust ourselves off and increase the pace of localization. At the end of the day, every billion rand of goods that are made locally creates a vast number of jobs for South Africans, for young people, they are entrepreneurial opportunities for women. They provide tax revenue for government that pays for the goods that uh, South Africans need for the pensions and the grants. And they provide for the education and the healthcare facilities. So localization is lacquer. Localization is necessary. And Honorable Khai, this is a very big part of our work uh, to, to reduce dependence uh, on um, on uh, foreign produced goods. Thank you very much, House Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Minister. 
Honorable Khai was the last in terms of follow-up questions. Honorable delegates, I would like to thank the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition, Honorable Patel, for availing himself to answer questions in the National Council of Provinces. I'm reliably informed that those that are in Cape Town, after that we adjourn, buses will be leaving in the next 30 minutes. It means around two o'clock. Honorable delegates, that concludes the business of the day. The house is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Manguena. Thank you, Chairperson.